0: Welcome to the Arms Race. This is the podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, usually by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie one at a time, but today we have a bonus episode. I'm Kevin King. And I'm Mike Olson, and today's bonus episode is another commentary track, this time Richard Donner and Superman. I don't have the year because we don't have any of our stats up here, but you probably know it by heart. 1978. All right, a yes. year before we were born. That's right, uh, but still in, in heavy rotation in my home as a child and as an adult. Uh, and you, yeah, so this one for sure, we did Logan for our previous episode, which each of us had not seen repetitively, but had maybe seen once or twice. Yes. This is not the case for Superman. No. I will say I've seen this movie repetitively. You have. You are definitely going to have to carry me in this one. I've probably seen Superman three, four times maybe. Okay. Uh, nowhere near. I'm going to guess you're like approaching 100. Oh, I think I'm well past 100 okay. in my lifetime, yeah. if we're counting childhood, childhood. days. Yeah. Yes, I'm definitely over 100. Right. I probably, in the last 10 years, I've probably watched this twice, maybe three times. So, you know, as an adult, it's not, I don't repeatedly go back to it, but it is it is a comfort movie for me. It's definitely, um, you know, I mean, I wore this tape out. Is it's, it the, is it the best Superman? It's my favorite Superman. I don't know if... I mean Superman Two definitely has its charms. it's more fun it's more of a comic book movie. Superman can be a little self serious at times. I actually like that. I like that it at times is making is taking this material very seriously i it I mean this movie does have tonal problems that I think Superman Two does not have I, also the the first Superman is very very silly in places and we'll we'll comment when we get there um <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's far in both extremes. I think Superman 2, is, it meets more in the middle. It's, it still has its silly moments. It still is taking itself a little seriously, but it's not. I mean, you'll, I mean, the opening 15 minutes of this movie, you'll see if you don't remember. I don't remember that one. Well. I mean, it's definitely better than Superman 3. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Superman 3. Really? Superman 4 is the bad one. Okay. Superman but we so should, the we only sh- thing I know about Superman three, honestly, is that it's referenced in office space. That's the only yes, thing that's yeah, because Richard Pryor is uh shaving pennies <laughs> to, to uh yeah. It's just fractions of a Fractions penny. Of, of a sense, yeah. Um yeah, and they're also building a supercomputer robot, something something. <laughs> but Superman three is the is the movie where Superman becomes evil, and then he splits into two people and fights himself. And that sequence is awesome. Okay. It might be my favorite scene in the, the Christopher Reeves series. Gotcha. Um, and I don't hate Man of Steel, to be honest with you. Although, not Batman versus Superman and the rest, where that series went, I didn't like. But I don't mind Man of Steel. And I, so, Yeah, and so for me, the where my, I guess, knowledge or soft spot, I was a huge fan. And I, I actually might not have watched the last season, But Smallville, I was a huge fan of that show, watched, and the early seasons actually really were, it was a good show. It it really was. Yeah, I've always heard that, and it's one that should appeal to me as, uh, I mean, certainly I'm a fan of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, even Superman 4, which is atrocious. I can still watch it because (laughs) I still find Christopher Reeve very, you know, charismatic in this role, but it is atrocious. It's one of the worst movies ever made. Not Richard Donner. No, no, no. Um, and, and not even Warner Brothers. Canon Films bought the rights to Superman. We've, we've talked about Canon Films and, you know, they were very cheap, very uh, questionable financial practices type of – and also they were, they were falling apart financially at the time. Like They were going out of business. They ran what out of money. Is DC thinking? Talk I don't think they had the rights anymore. I mean, Warner oh. Brothers owned the right. Well, first of all, well, the Saul kinds. We'll talk about the, all this. I think while the movie's going, we should all probably right, start because yeah. we're, we're we're getting into the weeds and we haven't even started the movie so, yet. So yeah, just for uh, first uh, not solidarity, but for uh, the the connection uh, here is the director. So it was for Logan. It was James Mangold, uh, which was my selection. Your selection, yeah. big. You were a big fan of uh, Superman. Richard Donner, The Connection. Not a great Stallone movie. The Connection. Uh, Tango. Was it Tango and Cash? No, no it was The uh, Specialist. The Specialist. Was it The Specialist? No, no, no. It was Assassins. Sorry. Assassins. Assassins. Yeah, because yeah, The <laughs> we both are all running together now. No, The Specialists we both have a soft spot for. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was not The specialist. It was Assassins. Yeah, um, Which wasn't awful, but yeah, Richard Donner is very hit and miss, yeah. and I think especially his later career is not great, you know, Assassins being a perfect example. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, all so right. this is going to be a commentary track, so we're going to be watching the movie, talking over it, so we would recommend... If you've got a copy of Superman, watch along with us because we may, you know, have periods where we're not talking as much when we're watching the movie. Um, I'm very familiar with this movie, so believe yeah, me, you're I, don't, I don't need to carry me on this one. Um, worth noting, we're watching the original theatrical cut. There is a longer, extended director's cut. Something I don't forget what it's called. Um, this is not that. I don't like the longer cut. I don't think anything that they add is worthwhile. So it's just longer. It's not better at all. So we're watching the theatrical cut. All right, it's FYI, and then um, yeah, I'm gonna say three, two, one, go, and when I say go, start the movie. We're at zero minutes and zero triple seconds, triple zeros. So uh, I think that's it. Anything else? Any business before we start? Let's go for I think it. We covered it. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, go. I will say right off the bat, I really love this old '70s Warner Brothers logo. Uh, I do too, <laughs> and I can't. I think maybe the most recent movie that I've watched because I do really appreciate current films today that are set in different time periods probably the most recent i've seen is i've just rewatched the nice guys which i still love shane black i wish that movie would have done better and it does pull up the that 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 exact version of the warner brothers logo i really enjoy movies that bring back the logos if they're set in a certain time period really love when they do that yeah i think I, i think dr sleep might have also used it Okay, so. Did The Shining use that logo? I think it did. I think it did, so let's just get right there. I did just watch Dr. Sleep. I loved it. I'm not sure if it was the theatrical or director's cut, but it was on HBO. Blown away. I think that's probably the theatrical cut. It, I, I just bought it on 4K, and I watched the theatrical cut. It's not that different. Okay. It's more pacing. I think the, the the director's cuts pace more like a Kubrick film, yeah. and the theatrical cut is more like a modern film. But gotcha. I mean, yeah, I, I think both cuts are really good. Yeah, I wish it was. Much like the nice guys, I wish it would have done better at the box office, because I actually would like to see yes. more kind of from that universe. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I know we're talking about Superman, but <laughs> since we got off on this tangent... I really... You know what? There's sometimes... Ewan McGregor... I really like Ewan McGregor. I mean, I, I really do. He, he's fantastic in it. He's one of these actors that you take for granted very yeah. easily, because he's, he's just effortlessly good in everything he's in. Yeah. Um, by the way, just to back up a little bit, I do love that intro of the little kid opening reading up the, the Superman comic and reading to himself. Yeah. It, it frames this whole movie as occurring in the imagination of this kid. Yeah, The movie never goes back to it. It's not like it closes the movie with the kid closing the book or anything. It, it, it's never brought up again. Four movies, at no point in this series does it ever acknowledge that kid again. But I, I, did, I do love the framing of it. I think it's really smart. I I also appreciate that Gene Hackman is in this movie because we've got another connection to That's the season. <laughs> Universally voted the villain of the season by us <laughs> as General Ants, <laughs> yes. whatever. Uh, a mu- I think a much better villain in Superman than in Ants. I certainly think so, although, actually, he may be more threatening, more scary in Ants. That's kind of what I mean. That, but I think Lex Luthor is a little silly in this movie, and uh, Ned Betty, Beatty, who is on screen, I, his character is very, very silly. I definitely remember that, and that's actually one of the things that I—the uh, casting in Smallville, who they ca- cast for Lex Luthor, and really when I— started to lose interest is when he didn't want to be on the show anymore and they wrote him off and had to, like, replace oh, him. was interesting. Yeah, it wasn't the same. I mean, when you're doing it six or seven years, you, it's like enough is enough. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, at the same time, I don't like the idea of Lex Luthor having grown up in Smallville. I don't feel like that was ever part of I, – I, neither of us are comic fans, so maybe it was in the comics. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't like that idea. Well, I, I don't know the comics that well, but the way that they explain it is ultimately he went there to uh, run a – Specific portion of the family business to basically prove himself, and oh. that that's how they like ultimately so he put didn't him grow up there. He like no. arrives in the exactly. pilot or something, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, really well cast, though, and that's actually really what made the show good and watchable. Is that again for me, you've got to have a, a well cast and well rounded villain, definitely in that. And you're right, he's silly here, but I still remember enjoying Gene Hackman. Oh, he's because. great, he's he, chewing it up, he, yeah. He is very uh, he's having a lot of fun, that's for sure. So I'd, I prefer that to someone who's not doing enough. I'd rather an actor do too much. We, I think we've had this conversation. Yeah, without – you know what? <laughs> just in general, I'd rather it, I'd rather they go over the top than under the top. It's going to be fun for me to watch this because you know what? It's kind of coming to my mind because it's actually showed up on Netflix recently. His character – now it's a different character, but Gene Hackman's performance in The Firm – I I bet you that there I'm going to feel some like overlap between the the character he plays there and the way he portrays Lex Luthor here. Okay, maybe I've never seen the Firm, so really? I, I don't know. No, it's not great, but yeah. I'm surprised. It was it was definitely a huge movie back in the day. Oh, I definitely remember. It. I mean, I, I should probably watch it. All right, so what what anything else on the opening credits here? <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a lot more credits. This is a very long credits scene. Well, John uh, Williams coming up. This yeah. is a good time to talk about the score, which is maybe my favorite movie movie really? score ever. Wow. I mean, it's good. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm just surprised. There's two Superman themes, both of which sound like they're saying Superman. Because there's this one, Superman. And then there's. Superman. You know, you can hear the word Superman said by the orchestra in a way that is. Here's the other one. And you don't even notice there's two themes. You know, there's. And then there's. I mean, was, it, 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 was Mario Puzo a writer on this? Oh yeah, he wrote the original screenplay. You didn't, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. The, and so Tom Mankiewicz, whose name is going through, he actually more or less wrote it, but he got the credit of creative consultant because you can only have five writing credits, <laughs> and they were all locked up basically. Um, yeah. So I mean, the, and now that the Saul kinds are coming up, I can I know a little bit about the background of the making of this movie. So uh, I think. Il- Ilsa Salkind, is that what his name was? And then, I think so, yes. And then there was an older Salkind, his father. There were two French movie producers who bought the rights from DC back when nobody was making comic book movies. And so DC's like, sure, yeah, you give, give, us money. Money. Yeah, give us the money. Yeah, we'll take your money. Um, and before even they had a director, they, almost as a stunt, cast Richard Donner and Marlon Brando. Not even really knowing what parts they were going to play. just like Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman in Superman. And they used that casting to raise the money. to would go to financiers, gotcha. raise the money. And it took them like five years. Went through a couple of different directions before Richard Donner came on. And while they were going through this kind of development hell, they kept hiring writers. Mario Puzo was one of them. They loved The Godfather, I guess. And went like, The Godfather was a good movie. And he wrote that. <laughs> Let's get him to write Superman. <laughs> I agree with that logic. <laughs> it's th- There are all kinds of uh, interesting, uh, not that you should switch away from our commentary, but there's interesting <laughs> stories on the actual commentary on the DVD with Richard Donner and Tom Mankiewicz, where Tom Mankiewicz talks about the script that he inherited and just what a disaster it was, and like references to like Kojak and things, like Telly Savalas just walking by Superman on the street and saying, Who loves you, baby? <laughs> <laughs> to stories like that, it is <laughs> it's well worth your time. I mean, there's a part of me that kind of wishes that, <laughs> that that hung in there. I mean, I, one thing. I mean, the Metropolis <laughs> scenes in this movie are very 70s. Like, they don't try to hide that it's the 70s, but that locks it in v- as strongly as possible. Would that put this I, movie has an equivalent movie with the pimp who sees Superman? We'll get there in a bit. Would it? Would it that put this movie up there with? I don't remember which Planet of the Apes that you love. That oh, Escape. Escape from would would. A Kojak, would that put this Superman in kind of that territory? I mean, that would have fit better in that movie. <laughs> where the apes meet Kojak. Where they meet Telly Savalas. So here's Marlon Brando. And this is what I... this. I'm sure you don't think of these sequences when you think of this movie. No. There's at least ten minutes of this stuff and it's very self-serious and like borderline Shakespearean <laughs> where we're seeing uh, Jor-El try to warn the planet Krypton that uh, they're about to... Well, first there's this, this court court scene with the hula hoops. Those are pretty nice hula hoops. Those are big, too. Well, I mean, presumably they're it's some kind of sci-fi device keeping yeah, I know. Zod and his buddies in. But I always just thought they looked like hula hoops. And I was like, they, it's probably practically what they yeah, are. The prop guys glued two hula hoops together and put it on a big spanner. I will say... Brando is not phoning it in totally here. I mean, you could, obviously, this is a money job for him. Yeah, he's not terrible. He's actually doing okay. They've got him in this turtleneck to hide how fat he is, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, he's doing fine. Well, he's in a lot better shape than he is by you know oh, the yeah. Island of Doctor Moreau. This was the period. This was you know the the rapid change period. Because by Apocalypse Now, he's enormous. In Apocalypse Now, <laughs> they, they hide it in that movie too. They try to make him just look like a big hulking dude. <laughs> The deceleration of marlon brando yeah, and this is this is the period late seventies is when he uh, really transformed physically this always kind of freaked me out this stuff I, I can see that, <laughs> especially watching it as a kid, yeah, these judges, i guess, are councilmen, according to the, uh, <laughs> the subtitles there i'm not i 'm not sure. I always felt like Zod is really... He's really letting those other judges off the hook. Oh, big time. <laughs> so why? Yeah, the, you alone will be held responsible. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. What about all the other ones? I, basically, I guess when they sign off the TV, their, their responsibility right. is gone. <laughs> because they know that he's going to hold... They're like, this, this is on you. We're going to vote guilty so he doesn't blame... I want to vote early and get out. Yeah, because exactly. Yeah. whoever the last vote is is who Zod. Yeah, going what if jor had voted first? And the guys on the screen like, uh... Looking <laughs> oh, around. Uh, p- present. <laughs> Right. It really is very much like a Zoom call in the, mod- in the <laughs> pandemic. It's courtroom done by Zoom. That would have been interesting if Jor-El said, all right, Zod, how about this? Present. <laughs> well, unanimous. Present is still... It is, but did, I didn't vote to convict, did I? Yeah. This is pretty serious. I mean, they're setting up the next movie. which is The, the first thing they do in Superman is to set up Superman 2, which is very strange. Because none of this really comes back in this movie. It was originally planned, the original planned ending, which maybe I should wait until the ending to talk about, but we were going to originally they wanted to depict them being released at the end of this movie and have it be a cliffhanger, like, we will come to conquer the Earth, you know, tune in next time. Because um, the Salkinds who bought this, they, for whatever reason, oh, because they made the Three Musketeers previous to this, which I've never seen the 70s Three Musketeers. Apparently they're pretty good. Three Musketeers was so long they split it in half like Kill Bill and made it two movies and got in all kinds of legal trouble because they only paid the pe- actors for one movie and like, you know it was <laughs> you know the this all kinds were kind of like you know they were circus con men kind of they were, they were kind of that that sort of producer um, but anyway it worked out for them I think I, I'm sure at this time they were still amid all the legal problems with Three Musketeers and Four Musketeers a sequel which were both filmed together but the, on this movie they originally they were like okay we're gonna shoot two movies at the same time yeah. So they were originally going to plan to end this one on a cliffhanger with Zod sense. and them being released, but then when they didn't end it that way, it's like, you know, it's still strange that this, mo- this sequence is here. I mean, just, I've, i always thought when I was a kid that is such an efficient form of imprisonment. <laughs> it is the Phantom Zone. <laughs> the I mean, man, it's <laughs> just a trapezoid. Put him in the trapezoid. Put him in a trapezoid that barely takes any room. Right, and then it, it takes no room. You could put it in a filing cabinet if you wanted to, but they still send it out into space. <laughs> like, go to hell. We're not only going to trap you in this thing, it's literally trapped in a trapezoid. Well, they have to feel good about it, though, because they're not... Actually, it's not a trapezoid. It's a parallelogram. Okay. Just because the word You're trap, right. I'm trying to make a pun, and it's not working. <laughs> they're not in a filing cabinet on Krypton, so they survive. Yeah, because I mean, that's exactly... That's why they shot it out into space. Screenwriters like, how do we get these guys out of here? Put them in a, in a parallelogram and shoot them out into space, so they'll survive. So here's the stuff. This, I mean, nowadays this stuff kind of, people tend to, you know, equate this to like a, a climate change sort of a thing of just, he's trying to warn them and they're not listening. But in the context of this movie, it's like, who cares why Krypton is going to explode? It's like, just get to it. This, I mean, I, I really, I mean, really, I don't like this scene because it's unnecessary. I mean, you have to, you have to establish the planet's going to explode, but we don't need to see a whole argument about it. All these old people. Like, well, yeah, maybe. Well, hold clubs. on, though. jor probably like, look, hey, we had this tough council vote, and now I voted your way, and you're you're not backing me <laughs> sure, up. On that's this. true. I'm taking the blame for the <laughs> the super criminal. Zod is not happy with me. Well, also, uh, the you get the sense that Jor-el is the one who kind of caught Zod and stopped him from his insurrection to seize control of the planet. I think originally they. And I think I think maybe Man of Steel is kind of like this too where Zod is also warning them that the planet's going to be destroyed and because no one's acting he's like I need to take charge and yeah you know like his intentions were good. I think that's how it is in Man of Steel. And I think they originally were going to do that which would have been interesting. Like yes he's a villain but he's trying to save Krypton and he's he's taking extreme measures which are right. clearly justified because in 5 minutes this planet's going to explode. <laughs> Is it five? Well, I guess it's five minutes. It's he, screen time. He, I was going to say, because he gave it 30 days at least. Yeah, that's still not a long time. It's got to be urgent, urgent enough that he's got to send Superman off. you know Jor-El is very respectful of the norms of this society. He'll remain silent. The planet's going to explode, and he's just like, okay, if you say so. <laughs> the council has ruled... <laughs> I have proof that the planet will expo- explode, but you know what? The gonna, law gotta, is the law. I'm going to go down with the ship. <laughs> he does, yeah, yeah. I think that's why he doesn't leave because he's just like you've ruled that I can't leave. You didn't say anything about my child. You wanna, yeah, you want to talk about respect for the rule yeah. of law? Boy, he's really he's lawful good. That's for sure. I do like the design of Krypton in this movie. Although you can't imagine living there. No, it's just like this weird. I don't know if it's ice or if it's supposed to be like crystals. Because there's a whole crystal motif in the pl- Fortress of Solitude, Solitude later, so I yeah. think the idea is this whole planet is like a crystal, crystal, almost like a like a again. I don't cave. know. The, I don't know the comic books well, but I I do. I, I think that's the intention. I don't think this is a comic. Book. I think this was invented for this movie. I think actually this may have been ported back to the comics after this movie. Oh, okay. Where it was like I, I if I remember, I think the guy, the production designer of this movie was a guy who did a lot of Bond movies, and this was his idea of just like crystals. The Fortress of Solitude is just crystals. Because even the ship is very like it's a bunch of crystals. For some reason, I I don't know if it should, but Brando's this this white white suit he's got it reminds me of Tron. Yeah, I think it's similar. Like it's it's some kind of like Scotch tape that they put. <laughs> it reflects back into the camera. <laughs> I think that's you're right. I think it's the same material. Literally, it's like some kind of 3M material that's like reflective. That yeah. little baby doesn't look like it wants to be there. Oh no, that baby doesn't know he's in a movie. <laughs> Just who on the, who on the crew has a child young enough to play Superman? <laughs> we'll wrap him in a re, uh, blue and yellow and red. It looks plot. like a microwave bag, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, I mean, the, the, it's, he's being encased in this thing. I do like the idea. It's. It, I, I wonder if the movie invented this or if this is from the comics. But the idea that the S isn't really an S because you see all those other councilmen had their own like crest yeah, on their chest. Yeah, it's basically a yeah, family. Yeah. I don't think it's stated Sigil. out loud, but you get the, you get, you, you get it. It's like, okay, they all have their little sigils. And this is, uh, this family is the L's Cal and jor This is way more serious than I remember. It's very, uh, it's very serious. I mean, I, I kind of like that because I mean, comic book movies, there weren't many of them first of all around this time, but certainly they were not taking their material seriously. So I think maybe this movie airs a little bit on the opposite side of like, hey, we're not making a silly comic book movie. We're trying to make something you know that has more substance than that. So we need to really convince people to take it seriously, and that means being very, very serious at the beginning. The movie lightens up and becomes, you know I think it's frequently very funny. Yeah, and in, in fairness, the planet is about to blow up, so... <laughs> yeah, it's serious <laughs> business. <laughs> it is kind of serious business. Yeah. This speech, he gives a big speech here where... It's it's all like, intoning important words to his son, who clearly can't understand him. <laughs> you know, this is for the audience, obviously. <laughs> you know, but is this recording? Is is can Superman play this back later? Maybe. Well, at least in like Smallville, yeah. When he go to the Fortress of Solitude, all those crystals basically yeah. were the you know recordings and the ability to. Well, and that's the case here, but. Unclear if this particular speech is that he's giving getting is, getting is being recorded. Yeah, I got you. Maybe. Because later we just get uh, a lot of poetry and stuff. But as much as I like the crystals and the kind of design of, um, you know, Krypton and by extension the Forges of Solitude... It's so antiseptic and so, like, like, there's no benches even or, like, places to sit. How do you live in a place like this? <laughs> I just don't buy it as a real place. It's like, it, I mean, who from cares the, if it gets blown up? It's not a living space. It's like, from you know, the lowliest peasant to the mightiest pharaoh, everyone loves a good sit. Yes. So, I mean, there's got to be somewhere. Sir, I'm in your debt. I mean, Jor is a pretty serious dude, but he's got to sit down every once in a while. I would assume. Meanwhile, Superman's mom has nothing to say. Nothing to say, you're right. That, that, that you're, you're not Marlon Brando, so you don't get to speak. It is a different time. She actually reminded me a little... I don't know the actress's name. She reminded me a little bit of Renee Russo, actually. Yeah, she has a little bit of that vibe. I, I forget her name. She's more in 2 because when Richard Donner was fired and replaced by Richard Lester, who finished making Superman 2 because they didn't finish it. That's a whole story we can get into later. Um, they didn't want to pay to use Marlon Brando's footage, which they had already shot. But if they, I think by that time the lawsuit had been settled, and it was like, no, if you use Marlon Brando for Superman 2, you've got to pay him again. They were like, screw that. He's expensive. And so they brought her back to re re record all of his lines. He's, he's expensive. He is, right? I mean, he's Marlon Brando. I know. It's I, like, once they raised the money to make the movie, they, we don't want you anymore. We didn't actually pay you to act. We, we paid we just, you to be a name. We needed your name yeah. on the billboard. It's been, literally, that's, that's what happened. Um, eventually, his his you footage... A financing technique. He was. You can see Brando's footage in the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, which is not great because it's an unfinished movie. It's interesting to watch to see kind of what they would have done, but... It's an incomplete movie. They're yeah. using, like, test footage. And... Scene missing. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> you want to talk about it in the nick of time. <laughs> That's true. Well, you know. He you knew it was three. I mean, you days. got to kind of wonder. I don't know. Did Jor-El, did he, did he just start this himself? Because... <laughs> sure. Just to prove himself right. <laughs> yes. You know, it's a Pyrrhic victory. I do enjoy all these old guys being like, oh, crap. <laughs> we we shouldn't have listened. <laughs> there is one shot. You made you blew it up. <laughs> well, the way it, it seems like the sun is getting closer to the planet, it's like, is the planet exploding, or is it just being engulfed by the sun? Also, they forgot to build an exit. She's like, just crash through the window. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we don't have time to build a, a, a door for this thing to fly through. They probably figured we're never going to use it, so we don't really need right. to worry about yeah. that. It's literally, in case of emergency, break open glass. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. So do you think these guys, they, you know, deep down, they're like, all right, Jor-El. You were right. I, yeah, I wish uh, there was one little scene of him. Some, run- just some <laughs> one of them. <laughs> he runs these- into one of them just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> we should have listened. There's a lot of this footage of these people falling into crevices and things, and there's one shot in particular that always freaked me out as a kid. <laughs> um, it's coming up in a bit. There's actually a lot of footage of disaster on Krypton. You'd think that would be enough. Okay, kaboom, that's all we need. It, it goes on for a while. Just people now all their their things are going red for some reason, their shirts and their clothes. This dome sinks into the earth. Where are you going to go? There's no exit, man. I never thought about this, but I wonder if like uh, the their clothes it's like a mood ring or it's like what were those clothes where they would change I, colors? I know what you're talking about. It's like that. It's like this is it, you know It's not cross colors. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so. um, um, yeah, something color. Anyway, yeah, their clothes like when there's an emergency they turn red. That's how they know it is an emergency. Look, I mean, look—the the planet is not going to explode. The, the sun is going to collide with it. it. Seems like a different thing. Here, th- that's coming up. The shot. of These people falling into this crevice. It's a wide shot. I mean, th- that stuff kind of freaked me out. But it was like, there's a shot coming up where there's like dozens. There, that shot. <laughs> that always. And then there's another one coming up, of, uh, even wider. That always freaked me out of these people just falling. This one, yeah, this, just dozens of people. And then here comes the kaboom. Yeah, it's hard to tell if the planet blows up or if the the sun just engulfs it. It, it looks like the it's sun a collision. Blows up. It's a collision. Yeah. But it looks like there's nothing left. Look, man, the sun's gone too. Oh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> all gone. <laughs> what happened? I guess the the planet the, exploded and the sun exploded. The immovable object met with the unstoppable force. Yeah. So, I don't know. It doesn't matter. You know, the, all that matters is the Krypton's gone. That's right. Which I think is also a thing that maybe is not common to most Superman stories. I feel like most Superman stories, Krypton is still around. Like the the civilization collapsed or something. I feel like there's a lot of comic book stories where really? Superman flies back to Krypton. Oh, I, I from I at mean le- I, at I, least again, not that this is canon, but the the Smallville show. No, it absolutely is destroyed. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's destroyed. I don't know. I, I have because I like these Superman movies. I tend I have. Just through os- osmosis, I get a sense for, like, things that are happening in Superman comic books, even though I don't read them, I'm not a comic book guy. Um, yeah, I feel like Krypton is not exploded in the comics. But also, there's, like, a million different comic uh, realities, and yeah. they've reset it a million Bizarro times. Bizarro World? <laughs> yeah, that too. When are they going to use Bizarro in a Superman movie? You know, when is Henry Cavill going to meet Bizarro Superman? <laughs> he should also played by Henry Cavill. Uh still the one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes. It, it, the the bizarre, the Bizarro World is a great episode. Yeah. Especially for that weird later period of Seinfeld where it got very silly. that's yeah. it's, that's one of the more sillier ones, but Yeah, that is a good episode. I cuz isn't is, is Jeremy Piven is he?
1: Is Jeremy he might Piven be the Bizarro, Bizarro George. George? I think he's Bizarro
0: George. He might yeah. be. No, maybe not. Maybe he's aud- no, he's not. He's You're auditioning. to right. auditioning to play. He, he TV auditions George. to play TV George right. the, just after the raisins go. You're right. Thing. Yeah, but there's a lot of alternate Georges and Kramers and Jerrys <laughs> on that show. Are. So then, should I assume that Christopher Reeves is he? He is the Superman. Oh, not even close. I do like Henry Cavill. Uh, did I call him something else? He's Henry Cavill, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I do like Henry Cavill. He's in a lot of bad movies, and even Man of Steel, which I think is okay. Still not good, but I think he can be a very good Superman. But even you know, he's like eighty percent maybe tops of what Christopher Reeve is. Christopher Reeve is perfect for this role. Um, you know, when he finally shows up, uh, we could talk more about he's, it. But um, so he's better than Dean Kane. <laughs> I never really saw that show. Uh, Dean Kane just seemed like a tiny little guy. Yeah, Superman's got to be at least six feet tall. I didn't I, like, I, I I didn't see many. I've seen you know a few. I didn't like Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane. Oh sure, Terry Hatcher, I, I, you know, in any role I wouldn't mind Terry Hatcher, speaking of Seinfeld. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) They're spectacular. That's right. Uh, And here's Glenn Ford as uh, Pa Kent, which is also great casting. The only other Glenn Ford role I think I've seen, he's in, oh boy, I'm blanking on the name of the movie now. He's in an old uh, uh, film noir detour, I think is it called? No, never seen it. Not Detour. What movie? He's in some old film noir. <laughs> They're very uh, nonplussed. I know that uh, that word means different things in different countries, but the American sense of nonplussed. They're not really bothered that a child came out of a meteor. <laughs> They're just like, oh, yeah, sure, let's adopt him. He looks nice. Yeah, he's grown a lot. I'm not sure if it's implied that he's been in space for like three years or if it was like an accelerated growth type of thing. Uh, I I think it's safe to say that he probably just was in space and it just took yeah. that. I mean, because it takes a long time just to get to Mars. Oh sure. Oh. Well, uh, we talked over it, but Marlon Brando does say like by the time you arrive to Earth, many thousand years will have passed, and because yeah, I'm sure I don't know if it's because of relativity or what, or if it's some kind of you know sci-fi shenanigans. But point being, that a child came out of a meteor that fell out of the sky, and they're just like, yeah, this is not that unusual. Let's fix the tire. <laughs> But i I love Glenn Ford in this movie. I'm not familiar all that familiar with his career. I'm not either, but I mean he's he's you know from like the thirties and 40s and it's like you may as well if you're gonna cast i mean this is the exact same thing they did with Kevin Costner in Man of Steel. It's like this is an important role. Give it to a you know an actor who was a big star 20 thirty years prior yep and also they're not really <laughs> reacting to this either although maybe they're kind of in shock i I, I think shock would probably be yeah. there. Before he said his first words, this kid lifted a truck. (laughs) Just then they have to think, oh, man, maybe the Hmm. meteor. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe these things are related. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shucks, he says as he throws down his rag. (laughs) Golly gee, this child is lifting a truck. Not reacting properly, in my opinion, but, you know. They got to just establish this stuff. It's a lot to get through before they get to Superman This movie does, it it does, it's a pretty good job finding the balance of like, you want to take your time and spend time on this stuff, but you don't want to make the whole movie an origin story. You want to get Superman. It is a lot of pre Superman stuff. Yeah, and so like the Smallville show, that's exactly what it was supposed to be. So they did dwell on it to the point where it's like. But that's too much. I want Superman. I I think think this is why I never watched Smallville. It's because like, well, the Small Superman movie or Superman story with no Superman. I (laughs) wouldn't. They're leaving out the best part. I would have normally thought that, but like. You know, because it's, I mean, look, it was also the network is on. It was, a, it was, I was too old for it, but it was still done well enough. I'm sure it's, I've heard nothing but good yeah. things. I'm sure I would like enjoy it. But the, it, the but. point being is that like him, like basically going through puberty, but then like learning, you know, trying each of the powers over time, oh, like he starts. That's how it's about, depicted is it as yeah. he, as he goes through puberty. Yeah. Not like this where the like, little boy is able to lift a truck. He can't do it until I he... think there might have been some... Like, he was fat. There were some things he could do. He was stronger and fat. But, like, as he gets older, the X-ray vision... Some of those things start to kick in, to give basically... Because it was, you know, like, mystery of the week. Yeah, yeah. You know, there would be a monster of the week. So, you know, as they built... But at the same time, they had an overarching story arc, you know, of Lex being suspicious, you know, kind of in the early episodes and not being friends and like friend that's you know part of the story that makes it so interesting is that they they were friends, and not to me. Not, well, my Superman and Lex Luthor are not friends. Yeah, they were never see, friends. But that—that's what makes that that show interesting—is yeah, that they were I, friends. I would have a hard time with that. I, how heavy-handed is? <laughs> I, just, I like this. It's like a shotgun. You can kind of see the cannon that shot it out of the grass. It's buried. It's buried in the grass. You can see the poof of, of smoke from the cannon. Um, I was going <laughs> but how how heavy-handed are the uh, the metaphors that the, the uh, uh, puberty metaphors? Is it like it's not it's not too? Bad. Is it like your body is changing kind of a thing no, How- I, I honestly i think they do this. do like well- this effect re- of him just running like <laughs> clearly being hung by wires. going <laughs> I'm, I'm uh kicking my legs and probably kicking the cable i think that looks very silly but in a way that is fun Sorry, incredibly go- <laughs> silly i interrupted sorry no i i think that the writers in, in smallville balance it well enough that it was it wasn't corny And it wasn't Roll Your Eyes. It's not. But it was also, you know, written, you know, trying to, you know, be a show on the CW, you know, back then. So Yeah, that's the other thing, is that that show seems so low budget. And for most episodes, I'm sure it's fine, or he doesn't have to do anything too, like, fancy, or he's not flying, really. But... It seems like the later the sense I got was later that show got the more oh, like, Superman stuff happened, and it's yeah. like I get I, I I would worry that the budget was too low and it would look no believe it cheap. or not I mean it wasn't it wasn't super super high budget but it, the effects were believable enough and most yeah. of the time that wasn't what it it was really pushing the story that that's what it was selling it wasn't necess- it wasn't a movie right so it wasn't selling the effects yeah. it would do the effects when it needed it is interesting watching this now. Like like I said, they weren't trying to hide when it was set, but this is so clearly the '50s. Yeah, I do like this moment. I don't know who this guy who plays teenage Clark. I never really, it never really uh, registered with me when I was a kid that this is not Christopher Reeve because they're dubbing Christopher Reeve's voice. Yeah, and they've put a fake putty nose on this guy to make him look more like Christopher Reeve. <laughs> Wait, and now, not, chin putty and a fake nose. <laughs> now, in uh, we're only watching this in, uh, in HD. Luckily, I was able to get this Blu ray to work on my computer. Um, but so, we're not watching a 4K. But in 4K in particular, you can tell like this is a fake nose this guy's wearing. Um, it works well enough, but honestly, it wasn't until like my late 20s where I went, like, Oh, that's not Christopher Reeve, that's another actor. And they're dubbing Christopher Reeve's voice. It's so clearly not him. Yep. <laughs> but for some reason, I just, as a kid, I still thoroughly accepted it. I wonder why they chose to do that too and dub the voice. I mean, he's a teenager. It's not that big of a deal to. Yeah, maybe his voice was so different from Chris Free. Chris Free, in the dubbing, he's trying to give it a little bit of a teenage squeak. I can see it, yeah. We're talking over it, so it's already been in there a couple of times where he's like, eh, I'm, you know, he's, he's doing a little higher pitch. It's a lot of this movie. I mean, I don't know. There's probably 10 more minutes of Teenage Clark, and it's, it's a lot of movie to be, you know, an actor being dubbed by another actor. I guess this is a, this is a more common thing back then. Like Bond movies used to do this all the time. Goldfinger. Like, yeah, exactly. Goldfinger himself, yeah. Um, and a lot, most of the Bond girls in the 60s and 70s, it's just like, you know, they're all dubbed. So maybe it was just a thing It's more, more noticeable now. No, it's to punt a ball like a cannon. <laughs> sure. well, that's, he's too good a punter. It would be a touchback every time. Every single yeah, time. Yeah, so it, she, that's the wrong position for him. That uh, I was talking over it, but that scene is... thats the one scene Glenn Thorne gets, really, and no. he's about to go. I do like his reaction here. Where he kind of realizes that... I don't know if it's a stroke or a heart attack, but this line. He's there for that one line. Because you believe it. Yeah, he he knows... He knows that something bad's happening. He says, oh, no. Like, it's very quiet and very understated. But it's almost like, you know, if, if the Krypton stuff was really, like, super serious and overblown, this stuff is still serious, but in a kind of, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, it's Smallville. It's very kind of understated and simple. And, like, you know, this is farm life. It feels more grounded, yeah, you know, not crystal palaces. It's you know just people living on a farm. I, I I really do like this whole sequence. It's a little long, but and and you know it is overly sincere, but it's sincere in a way that works for me. But that that moment where he tells him, you know, you're here for a reason. That's essential for the ending of the movie. So for sure, you needed to have that. I will say it's one reason why I probably connected a lot with this movie as a kid. It, you know, me personally is it's maybe one of the most positive depictions of adoption in the history of fiction. You know? Because his his yeah. adoptive parents are essential in making him a good person, which is essentially what makes him Superman. His powers come from his, his, you know, his birth parents, but he's Superman. He is the good person that he is because of Ma and Pa Kent. Yeah. It is maybe the most positive depiction you know when most depictions of it i mean you know it's it's put that kid under the stairs you know there's so many that version of the way adoption is and you know step parents and stuff like that non-traditional parents I, i can what's funny is i can certainly i can certainly understand it and what's funny is that you know when we were going through the adoption process not that i thought our son was gonna fall out of the sky in a meteor right but honestly like the I, we had watched this show like years before i not we watched small videos before and like so in my mind actually like adoption and being the adoptive parents and nurture being very prominent and important like was in my mind as you know we're still going through the parenting process you know there's some things that i question like there's some things I think nature, no matter what you do on nurture, sure. that's the same here. I mean, he's still super; he still has these powers that right. come from his birth, you know, his, his yeah, biology. But exactly, you know, if not for Ma and Pa Kent, he could, you know, oh, use his have, powers to rule sure. the world. Yes, he could have been on a much different path, absolutely, it's because of the man that he has become, because of you know his upbringing. You know, I, I very strongly, and the ending, uh, I think, indicates that also. I'll save my thoughts until we get to the ending, but. You know, I think the ending bears that out. Yeah, and I, there uh, there certainly are a lot of you know traditional kind of depictions of adoption. Superman in that story is definitely the antithesis of what most of the time you see yeah. TV and movies of of adoption without a doubt. I, I have not read or seen any of the Harry Potter movies, but I get the sense that that's one of those where I think that might be step parents or something, but or like you know, I, I'm not sure. But doesn't he live under the stairs or something? They like keep him I in actually, like, a, I, a dungeon or something until he discovers he's a wizard and escapes and actually lives a good life. But I think there's something like that in Harry Potter. I don't know any. Yeah, neither Harry us, no. Potter at all. So we're gonna. I, I'm probably gonna get in trouble. I'll, I'll take the blame. <laughs> I may be mischaracterizing, <laughs> but I feel like Harry Potter Do you think begins that, there's, that way. There, there's a lot of overlap in Harry Potter fans and people who listen to this podcast. I, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, Harry Potter is just very ubiquitous. We're we're the rare exceptions that we don't it's know anything about true. Harry Potter. They were huge books. I just, you know what it was? Is it was so popular? I just wanted nothing to do with it. That that's what the problem was. I just have no interest. I don't like. Well, you don't like wizard. (laughs) (laughs) It's 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 uh it's gonna sound hypocritical considering how much I love Superman, but I don't like magic in stories generally. Uh, Yes, but to me this isn't magic. I mean, it is obviously. It's 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 fantastical, but it's not magic. Yeah. Well, the the thing I always say is I don't like a story where you can just use magic to bring characters back from the dead or turn back time, but this movie literally ends with Superman turning back time. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's it's Maybe hypocrisy. Your pal Superman could run at super speed. <laughs> Superman could turn back time. We've been over this. <laughs> prominent Cheerios product placement here, one of the earliest and most prominent product placements wow. in the history of film. I think the Sawkins invented product placement, and this is like one of the first instances. Wow. I, it, I literally never would have like, guessed that if you look up like early instances of movie product placement, the cheer- oh, Cheerios. That's even worse than the first one. Yeah, Cheerios got their money's worth there. Oh, all you need is Clark. Mm, these are excellent. <laughs> Maybe you could run this fast if you ate Cheerios yeah. like me. I mean, it's not too far off from that. <laughs> So, so between Brando and General Mills, that's that's really where the money came from for this movie. Well, the, huh? the money came from General Mills, went right into Brando's pocket. Like <laughs> we got to offset this cost. Cheerios, <laughs> how much do you want to pay us? Well, from if that turtleneck was hiding him, maybe he got paid in Cheerios. <laughs> maybe he did. And also, so in my in my universe. Martha Kent is not nearly this old in, in my universe. Yeah. They pick, they predict. It's uh, Annette O'Toole, right? Yeah. Because she it, plays Lana Lang in Superman 3, a character we just saw who not played think the redhead in the car there. Yes. That's, that's Lana Lang. And so. so they recast her in Superman 3. In, uh, yeah, so it's Annette O'Toole. And then um, John Schneider, and whoever played uh, Dukes of Hazard, is what he was named. Yeah, John oh. Schneider. Okay. He was either Bo or Luke Duke. I always forget. The other I guy shouldn't. is Wolpat. So the Tom Wolpat. Yeah. So not not Tom Wolpat. Not, not Tom Wolpat. Yeah, he plays Jonathan Kent. And okay. so they're, you know, they're probably whatever. When that show starts, I don't know, somewhere in their 40s is my, my guess. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a trend. It's like, it's like uh, Aunt May in the yeah, and Spider-Man uh, movies. Uh, uh, versus Marissa Tomei. Tomei.
1: Oh, another side
0: for sure. She likes short, balding men. <laughs> You've been watching my cousin video a whole lot. <laughs> she won an Oscar for that, you know. Marissa Tomei! Yeah, it works here because, you know, I think it's... You get the sense that this couple, you know, is infertile for whatever reason. Probably have been trying for, you know, decades. And, you know, missed their window. And now, I think they even comment. You know, the good lord sent us this boy, or whatever uh, Ma Kent says earlier. I do love this shot and this moment in the score. Again, it's very sentimental and it's very kind of... uh, Uh... yeah, just overly sentimental, but just, the John Williams score here and this crane shot of coming over the wheat, and yep. it's going to crane up in a second, I think. Like, this is just a long shot where nothing's happening. They're just looking to the horizon, but I do find it very emotional and affecting, you know? I mean, most of that's John Williams. It's such a good score. I, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I could very easily spend this whole commentary talking, talking about it. his music. Yeah. There are a couple of uh, pieces of music I want to highlight in particular. So, I'll talk about those when we get to it. This feels like a Bond movie. <laughs> yeah, this looks like stock footage that probably a Bond movie also used this shot. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> bought it from some library. Like, I don't, it's zooming in, but, oh, I guess there is a person down there. Well, you can barely yeah. tell. It, it was something. In yeah, there. something's down there. Could have been a seal for all you know. It was nature <laughs> footage. Ah, it'll look like a person. And then suddenly we're on the Bond soundstage. This is the largest soundstage in England that Bond shot on. Oh. This is, they they built this for the spy who loved me, and so it was relatively new. And this might have been the first non-bond movie to shoot here, with the big tank and everything, the water tank. It does look like a soundstage, though. It does. You know, it was the '70s. They're doing what they can. They didn't have yeah. CGI. It's it's good for the time. I was gonna say, there's nothing nothing wrong with it. I'm not not knocking it. Yeah. This plot point where Clark just like suddenly senses, oh, there's a green crystal in the barn, and he goes and he grabs the crystal and like, gets a psychic desire to come to the North Pole and build the Fortress of Solitude, or to have the crystal build it. Very, you know, this is some real construction you know, process. Like, whatever the Kryptonians were using to build stuff, we need this technology. Well, he just chucks the, this crystal. He and chucks suddenly, it, but here's the problem is what it builds, there's no benches, there's still, still nowhere to sit. I think at, at the very least, the Fortress of Solitude has, like, levels where you could sit. Like Kramer, yeah. he has levels. <laughs> you know, it's got like shelves where you could dangle your foot, feet off of it. That's you're right. That's fair. You couldn't sit in the Fortress of Solitude, but much easier than you could in Krypton. It's a good thing that he didn't, you know, give it what he gave it for that punt because he might not <laughs> have ever. That's g- pretty good. I mean, <laughs> look at that. That's at least two hundred yards. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a lot of time spent. What did I? How how long ago I, do you think I said ten minutes more? Oh, probably more than ten minutes. Oh, yeah. it's, it's probably been fifteen minutes of Clark discovering, you know, the crystal and talking to Ma Kent. You know, it's it's important mythology. You do need it, but it probably just speaks to you know movies were paced differently back then. A lot different. Yep. Because watching this now in twenty twenty, you know, and I I don't mind this stuff. I don't find it boring. I just watch it going like, "Wow, there's a lot of time spent on this stuff. We're just watching crystals grow out of the water. <laughs> it's like a science experience, it's like mr wizard it is it is like uh yeah one of those it's like a time lapse of uh you know mold growing in a petri dish. I've created Lutherans. <laughs> I can't get through get through an episode without at least a few Simpsons references. That's fine that's that's what we do. We, gotta oh, we got to even out after all the Seinfeld episodes. That, that would clearly require some sort of rebigulator. <laughs> You're right. That tech, I mean, that thing. I mean, what was that? Forty five seconds. Yeah. The, the fortress is built a whole fortress out of one little crystal. Like I don't know if it's supposed to be like shaping out of the ice somehow, or if it's like conjuring these crystals out of thin air. See, look at all those shelves. They can. You're see. right. He does have levels. Plenty of places to sit. That you could almost have like a a, a Socratic, you know, um, te- you know Socrates could teach here. Sure, you got people hud- like, huddled around. Yeah, and- yeah, totally. Or Socrates. By the way, I I know it had to be done, but I'm I'm bummed. That Bill and Ted's is going to be only only streaming. I well, they're releasing it in theaters. In other countries, no. I think it might get a limited release here, depending on yeah, whether theaters are open or not. But yeah, the theaters won't be. Open. I mean, you could wait. I think it'll probably get a theatrical release at some point. Maybe. I am. Ex- I'm still excited about it. I'm very excited about another Bill and Ted. It looks good, but I think I know what the ending is. I've predicted it. I'm like ninety percent sure I know how that movie ends, but I'm like I won't. I, I won't did. say it in case I'm right. And or I yeah. And I also I did not really pull on the trailer, so I don't have. Okay. I don't have yeah, any ideas because I'm trying to avoid it. The most recent trailer, I feel like, gave a lot. Too it much. didn't give anything away, but it gave enough pieces that I, it gave me two and two, and I went like, okay, I think the ending is four. So here we're going to get uh, Brando's recordings where they they stuck Marlon Brando in a you know room with a black sheets and uh, <laughs> had him just record a bunch of stuff. There's a funny story, I forget if it's on the commentary or what, where... Christopher Reeve insisted to – when when Marlon Brando was recording this stuff that we're about to see, Christopher Reeve insisted on coming in to read lines with him because he wanted to act with Marlon Brando. And this is the only scene they share, and, you know, it's obviously comped in the effects. So he, he, I'm going to go and re, when, when he's recording this. And I think his only line is, who am I? And uh, I think Richard Donner saw him in the corner and be like, who am I? Who am I? Like, because he was nervous about, it, you know, he's got he's Marlon Brando. And then uh, they were rehearsing, and he goes, who am I? And Richard Downey goes, you're not going to see it like that, are you? And like totally like just of, like punk <laughs> Christopher Reeve and make him super self-conscious. It's it's a funny story that I'm probably butchering, but uh, I I just thought it was very funny. And just cute that Christopher Reeve insisted. I got to come in and act with – I'm going to be off screen when they're, you're just filming Marlon Brando's head. <laughs> I'll stand behind the camera. He's looking down, reading his lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I was wondering the same He thing. literally
0: did that in this movie. They talked about that, too, in one of those commentaries where he had cue cards hidden all over the set when he, was, when he had the baby. I think they, had, they said like in the crib of the baby or whatever, you know, the, the, the spacecraft. He had little cards where he had all his dialogue written out. There's a the line. Who am I? He's getting paid all his money, and he can't even be bothered to learn his lines? I think he tried to justify it being like, well, the, the, the character doesn't know what he's going to say, say until he says it, so I shouldn't know what I'm going to say until the moment I say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just him being lazy. I was going to say. Just that, a justification. That's just an actor's excuse mm-hmm. for being lazy. Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Shakespeare. This might be where he talks about the thousands of years have passed or something like that. Anyway, I'm going to leave you at the worst possible time because there's literally nothing to talk about, but I'm going to get a beer. Oh, Marge, beer me. Great, so he's left me, and literally nothing's going on. We just have a little voiceover from Marlon Brando, some 70s effects in space. It's too much of this. This is actually a lot of. It's it's really really remarkable how much of this stuff there is, but it was it, it was a different time. It's setting the tone for sure. By the way, I realized my mistake because you know since since we don't really prepare prepare for these, it's just a commentary. We're sitting watching the movie and talking, which is you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have a couple of beers because I don't have like notes to read. I don't I don't care. But um, I realized in the Logan one, I made a mistake because I forgot Logan was Canadian. So remember I went I got Miller Lite because I figured that's the most. Oh. Logan, but he's Canadian. I should have got a Molson or something. Uh, yep, or I, Labatt Blue or whatever. Yeah, some kind of Canadian beer. I got a Sam Adams. It, I figured this is the most uh, truth, a, justice in the American way beer. That is as American as you get. Yeah. I forget how they got like this footage. It's Just like weird shots of like matches burning, and like they're trying to pass it off as like a spacecraft passing through nebula or something. Yeah. I mean, it is. I don't know if this is like a 2001 influence. By the way, the, the movie is uh, dedicated to Jeffrey Unsworth, who was the director of photography, who also was the cinematographer on 2001. Oh, wow. So maybe they were just like, you shot that movie, do a thing like you did in 2001. He was just like, uh, I didn't... I wasn't involved in that part.
1: I've sent
0: So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I suspect this is probably a 2001 thing. They were, they were going for that sort of a thing, like a Stargates. We're going to travel through dimensions, and it just kind of came out like this. And then... Marlon Brando turns into a crystal mask. That mask reminded me actually of Jim Carrey and the mask. Smoking! This is a cool moment, though. I mean, this really sells. It's a good introduction for Superman, you know? Presumably, he's been here for years and he's been training with his dead father, and now he's Superman, and there's the full shot of him flying, and like the wire work in this movie is pretty good generally. Like a shot like that, excuse me. That went right into the mic. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I think the wire work in this movie holds up pretty well. Oh, and how quaint when a newspaper was the center of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really true. I forget where they filmed this. If it was like like the Post. It was a real newspaper office. If it was the Times or... what? I forget, but... um, Yeah, no, that's true. I think now... I think in the comics now, Clark Kent is like a blogger or something. Yeah, I'm sure it's adapted. But what's funny, though, is that you don't want Clark Kent as a blogger because they don't have any credibility. That's the whole point of what a newspaper is supposed to be, is that the justice and, like, the... Yeah. Well, I mean, this is depicted as kind of a... She asked her first... Lois Lane's first question is, how many Ts are there in bloodletting? So she's writing some kind of sensationalist something. Well, if it bleeds, it leads, right? (laughs) Some things never change. (laughs) Yes. I do love Marlon Kidder. No spell check in the 70s. No. They got to ask the photographer. Ask Jimmy Olsen that, how do you spell that's what's great though. That, the writers asking the photographer. Yeah. I would hope uh, Perry White here. <laughs> <laughs> Sad like Yeah, it's it's pretty extreme. Um, I mean <laughs> senior citizens home i think you know a lot of this i think the the humor is supposed to be you know now it's the 70s or I mean, this is the, the world that superman is entering <laughs> you know is like you know this was like 70s being like you know crime in the streets and all the fears wow. of like you know you know the oil crisis and stuff like that oh, like yeah. things seem real bad so i think that's so probably the joke it is a reflection i mean i mean look Metropolis is New York City, and New York City in the seventies, yeah, right? Exactly, it's not a good place. Yeah, so I think that they're tr- really not a good place. Yeah, I think they're trying to make a joke of, of, of you know, this is how different the world is that Superman's coming yeah, into, as coming opposed from to small, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, or even like Metropolis of the fifties. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's a joke an airplane. Don't call me sugar. It's true. This guy's shirt always, and his pants. look at this guy, he's the most 70s looking guy. Holy shit. It's like <laughs> laser suit, laser suit, Larry. Yes. That guy should not be working in a newspaper. Oh, he's gone now. He did not, yeah. he does not deserve to be working at the Daily Planet. He had like a thing on his shirt that said like copy editor or something. He's back there and he's still in the shot. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I think it was almost like, we, we you must wear this to work. We must know what your job is, it must be written on your t shirts. It actually reminds me of uh, Dennis Farina in Out of Sight with Michael Keaton. Let me ask you, you ever wear one of those that says undercover? Because he's got like a shirt <laughs> yeah. that says FBI yeah. on it. But maybe it's a thing where it's like if if a writer desperately needs. You know, like, uh, you know, Lois was asking for a spelling issue. Uh, maybe. If that guy had been around, she would have stopped, She's flagged him down. She needs to know where the copy editors are at all times. Well, so where where this red shirt? Back in like the '70s on a trading floor in Wall Street, they would have had you know like runners and stuff with different. When they had to go and like get trades in, the, sure. those kids wore like certain colors, so you knew to get them over. Yeah, and a you know, newspaper, especially at the time, would have been like a fast-paced. Yeah, we got to get this story in, you know, before the presses start. But anyway, I was saying I, how much I love Margot Kidder in this movie in particular. I think later in these this series of movies, she stops caring. <laughs> um, but she's, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a throwback to like 30s, like Howard Hawks, like the snappy dialogue. And like, you know, as much as they're leaning into the 70s here, yeah. it's, it's the way this is written. You know, it's very snappy and very sharp. I really do like her in this movie especially because once she meets superman you know she's a she's a smart like independent woman she's you know obviously one of the best writers on staff and um you know very like obviously capable and is breaking a bunch of important stories and then once she meets superman she's just like she just like turns into this like you know swooning girl i love the the way she behaves around superman versus the rest of the movie i think it's a really good performance by her and i think she's different. really great in this movie And speaking of acting differently, here's here's uh, you know, oh, you can see the camera and the reflection there. See the, see the yep. cameraman back there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of ver- acting two different ways, here's Christopher Reeves' Clark Kent, which I also like. I think some people think it's a little too too nebbishy and too really? cartoon. No, I actually always enjoyed it. I yeah, I think it's good. What's funny? Oh, so it, it's just going to remind me now. So the the glasses, just how absurd it is of the disguise. Recently, I know I've told you this. um, You know, so I finished the first season or first two seasons of what we do in the shadows, uh, the the TV version. And there is a great episode. It's actually a fine one for a standalone. But one of the one of the vampires has to go on the run, and he actually is on the run from. I didn't realize it until the very end, with the credits. Uh, The vampire he's running from, that's come to track him down, is actually played by Mark Hamill. Okay, and his name is the best because his name is Jim the Vampire. He's just got like this whole backstory, and then when you find out, it's just Jim the Vampire. But so his his disguise, he's like he's got it, and it's like it's foolproof. His disguise is a pair of blue jeans and a toothpick, and he is not recognizable to anybody. It reminds me completely of oh yeah, you just put on glasses. Doesn't look like Superman at all. Yeah, but I. Christopher Reeve makes me buy it in these What? Movies. Come on! Because he's acting so differently, you would never suspect. I mean, yes, he's still like a six foot three, very thickly built dude. I don't <laughs> Who love. Who can catch time. bullets? Yeah, I don't love the way they slowed down. They do like a fake step frame. Yeah. Slow mo- I mean, they had to make sure you saw that he's catching the bullet, but. I think they could have shot that a little better. I mean, it's, it's a nice moment. No, but I, I. Christopher Reeve is so good in this movie, and he's behaving so differently. You wouldn't look at this guy and think, well, he's obviously Superman. Like, I think it's the behavior. It's not the glasses. It's so simplistic to say, oh, you know, how, what a joke. He puts on glasses and you can't recognize him. No, it's the way he's acting that's the disguise. It is the majority of the disguise, but... I buy yeah. it in this movie. In most I- iterations of Superman, I don't. I buy it here. Cause, because Christopher Reeve sells me on it. Well, this seems like a pretty big mistake. Real big slip up here, Clark. I mean, if, if he's going to do that, then you, yes, you, you should know that he's Superman. But you know, uh, for the most part, I buy it in this movie. It's—I don't actually have a huge issue with it. I just, oh, I find it funny because I, yeah, it's easy to make fun of. Me, like, it's, I get it. His face—the the, the the Saturday Night Live uh, sketch with the Rock with Dwayne Johnson where he was playing Clark and he had literally is like the blue is peeking out from underneath his shirt and stuff <laughs> and he's just like and, and like everyone clearly knows that he's Superman but they keep like oh I, Clark I think I hear a cat so, you know maybe there's a story oh I need to go and then pff, they all laugh like oh, there's no cat <laughs> I always loved this guy this blind uh, newspaper seller he's got this dog to catch people stealing oh I this, like it This I always loved I always loved this <laughs> But great, you just run. Like people aren't right. stopping. Like this is Metropolis. Like no one's saying, like, "Hey, you pay for the you know." No passerby to help. There's a lot bigger issues if you're getting, you know, shot in alleys. There's a lot bigger issues yeah. than Ned Beatty stealing yeah. a newspaper. Yeah. And what's uh, funny is he's o- he was only on screen for the fr- I, already I can tell I vaguely remember it but. Talk about a goofball! Yeah, Ned Beatty. Yeah, um, there was a really good piece written pretty recently. I don't know if it was an anniversary recently. No, it wouldn't because it's seventy eight, so that, there's no anniversary. But um, uh, Matthew Zoller, I forget his last name. Matthew Zoller cites he's a he's a uh, critic. He writes for RogerEbert.com, dot com, okay, um, among other places. And he just did a big write up of Superman recently that was really good. And my favorite part of it is he describes this character Otis, played by Ned Beatty, as a cartoon dog. <laughs> And that's the perfect way to describe this. That's exactly right. So credit to that that critic whose name I can't quite remember. Matthew Zoller Seitz, I think. Is but what not Poochie. No, he's pretty close to Poochie. I mean, he's not as cool. He's not as rocking. He's, t- he's not a third Fonzarelli. He's, he has 0% Fonzarelli. He's got a he's got a straw hat on. He probably has negative Fonzarelli. The Fonz actually. would never be caught dead in a straw hat. That's for sure. And in 1978, why is any why is this guy wearing a straw hat? Yeah, I don't know. The villains are—I don't know if there's a, intentionally a throwback. They kind of, you know, him and uh, and Miss Tessmacher as like the wacky sidekicks. You know, it's almost like a a thing of like Chaplin. Or yeah, I guess yes, but also like. Superman, like, the the, the the Superman cartoons of the 30s, he was always fighting, like, mad scientists, and then they would always have, like, a, a wacky, like... Because oh, yeah, it was... Assistant were, or something. They were, like, they were cartoons, so actually it, would actually it would be an animal a lot of the time. Gotcha. Like, you know, not quite, you know, uh, anthropomorphized, but behaving barely, you know, in, in the, you know, believability of a real animal, like a wacky animal, gotcha. and stuff like that. But anyway, we're establishing the, the route to Lex Luthor's lair. I do like the way Lex Luthor is introduced also. Uh, almost like a Bond villain. There's, actually, there's a lot of crossover because they filmed this in England and a lot of the Bond people. <laughs> That's a great line. That is a great first line. But you don't see Lex at first. You see him pushing a bunch of buttons. and then this, Very, very Blofeld. It is. You know, very much so. And Tom Mankiewicz wrote a couple of, who was the creative consultant on this movie. He wrote a bunch of Bond movies, so there's a lot of overlap. But yeah, I love this of just not seeing his face. Before you even see Gene Hackman's face, he has killed a man. It's True. Spoilers. But he's going to kill this man. Safety man, it says. (laughs) There's no safety here. Nope. You would think once the thing started getting like pushing forward, it was just step to the side, man. Right? You jump across. <laughs> you can feel it pushing you forward, and there's a train coming. It's just, not going well, man. Yeah, or jump across. That's probably the better option. That's what. Yeah, jump. That's just, what I was saying. Yeah, jump earlier. I, I forget if the guy who died was named Aramis or if this guy's named Aramis. They were talking earlier, and one of them call, it says Aramis, and I think that's a running joke in all Richard Donner movies, or like most of them. There's a character named Aramis. Oh, I'm, I don't remember one in Assassins. I don't remember. No. And here's Lex's lair, which I love. This, like, abandoned, like, Art Deco, like, 1920s subway tunnel. but yep. he's converted into this, like, he's got those, like, like... Look at the chair he's got there. And, like, the, the globe lighting up there. Like, he put a lot of money oh. refurbishing this place, clearly. <laughs> he did. You know, that didn't come standard. He's just squatting. You know, it's, it's not that he's just squatting. He is. He is. Oh, he's put, put some, some he, investment. He's he's invested. Like, why does he need to rule the world? This I would love to live here. <laughs> I would uh, gladly live two hundred feet underground if it looked like this. <laughs> you know, it's got a pool. We're gonna see the pool in a second. It's got filing cabinets. It's got a big map at the, on the floor. Like it's it's awesome. <laughs> like, just be happy with what you got, Lex. You're doing pretty well. I mean, this is pre when Lex Luthor became like a corporate billionaire. That's kind of how he's depicted now as, like, a, 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 the richest man in the world. Yeah. And that's, you know, he's got all this power because he's rich. This is before he was that. These days, he was more or less just a mad scientist. There's the cartoon dog. <laughs> it's a perfect description. Ruff, ruff, I'm Poochie the <laughs> rockin' dog! I like Ned Beatty in this movie, but he's very broad. And clearly a great actor who's capable of a lot. <laughs> You know, like it, it, quite a difference between this and network. Yeah, that's I was about for sure. To say he's so good in network. I mean, that's pretty broad too. Yeah, you are meddling with the primordial forces of nature, <laughs> Mister Beale. I won't have it. Yeah, I mean that's. But he he's capable of giving more subtle performances than this. I don't love. It's something I noticed as an adult watching this, that it gives away his plot that it's a real estate swindle. I would have preferred it if it was a little more mysterious. I mean, you, you you don't know all the details of his scheme, but he says right there, it's the greatest real estate swindle of all yep. time. It's like, I would have rather not known that yet. I mean, I guess the plot of this movie is Lex trying to become the richest man in the world, yeah. more or less. Yeah, it is actually. It's pretty. Yeah, it's, she's very dismissive of this amazing palace. <laughs> a, Granted, p- it's it underground. Is, it's a Park Avenue address. Yeah, and uh, certainly, it's, I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure it'll become more prominent later in certain scenes. But uh, Miss Tessmacher, formative uh, figure of uh, my my early years, let's put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> You know, well, in, in various outfits well, more so than others, but. Uh, well, what's funny, though, is that they definitely make no reservations about whether or not this is supposed to be New York. It's Metropolis, but a Park Avenue address. That's true. They're yeah. really it's, on the nose. Yeah, I don't know it. why they even bother. They should just call it New York. I'm, well, it's because it's Metropolis in. Well, right. I mean, the comics. There's no reason why you couldn't just call it New York. I mean, it's so. You're right. It's so blatantly New York. They fly past the Statue of Liberty later, I think. Man. There's, so she's got rapist, Brazier. Yeah, she she clearly whatever beat she's on. It's uh, there's a lot of bad news on her beat. <laughs> Look at that guy. You're right. All, it's a bunch of people. There's like, multiple people in those red shirts. It must have been a thing. You know, I'm, I I imagine they did some research about how actual uh, newspapers worked at the time. I wonder, you know who, certainly at the time this was written, I'll bet that was supposed to be Nixon, because this was in development for a while. At the time, it would have been Carter, right? 78 was Carter? Yeah. Uh, yes. was, I think, four, yeah, because the election was in 80 for Reagan, so yeah, it right. would have been Jimmy Carter. Maybe not, and what year did this, actually, probably, this began development post-Nixon, I would think. So, so it, was, it was probably Nixon in development was for like four 72, years. but I don't remember when, when he resigned in that term. Uh, yeah, like... 68 and 72, and then he resigned somewhere. Resigned in, like, 73 or something? Yeah, I think it was 73. I just wonder, you who, you know who... I mean, I guess they were just trying to make it vague who the president is, that's yeah. all. It seemed very pointed. You know who it seemed like whoever wrote the screenplay didn't like the president at the time. Whoever it was, I I love the idea of a newspaper too with these editorial features that they've got these giant signs of where the. I mean, this is the age when there would be multiple floors, and you got to know how to find places to know where you're going. Yeah, and now today, there's (laughs) the newspaper has like barely any articles in it. I mean, the, the Daily Planet has its own helicopter. It's a, you're right. It's got a helicopter. to take her to meet the president at Air Force One. Multiple uh, uh, aircraft tragedies in the same day here. Because this, this helicopter has trouble, and then Air Force One later, in a moment, <laughs> and the weather is fine. So this helicopter almost crashes, and then Air Force One almost crashes. Not to spoil it. Yeah, this helicopter's picking her up just to get her to wherever Air Force One is landing. This is an m- important story, whatever it is. Apparently so. She couldn't have just got f- through traffic to get there? No, she's got to take this helicopter. And this very poorly maintained helipad. <laughs> maybe the newspapers are starting to have trouble. They can't have the money beginning. to fix this helipad. Whatever this cable, it's about to come loose. Or maybe they've been spending too much money on helicopters. Sure. I mean, I guess local news stations still have helicopters, right? Yeah, but it's TV because they're yeah. using video coverage. This, I mean, she's writing a story. It's literally just for transportation. They're yes. not getting footage from the air. No. This seems like it shouldn't be this big a problem. Like, oh, let's put down. We're caught on something. Set down again. Don't try to lift off. Just drop. Put it down. Helicopter pilot, just, just cut the throttle. Land yep. again. Everyone just freaks out. <laughs> It's headed right for us! <laughs> yeah, that, but that, that that's time dangerous. it actually is headed right for him. That, that tail blade went right through there, and that could have chopped him the hell up. And then, of course, the helicopter pilot is knocked unconscious. It's like you need Superman. Sure, yeah. If only someone would come by. That's that's actually a pretty scary shot. Yeah, that used to is. scare me as a kid. I can see that. This rear, like, I think it's rear projection. They've got, like, a screen behind her. And I always, I always found, like, you know, I'm not afraid of heights particularly, but this always scared me. <laughs> the crowd just forms right underneath it. Like, you know, where do you think that thing's going to land? Well, if Ghostbusters talk to you anything, they're just going <laughs> to line up right outside there. Sure. It they can't it, chant Superman, Superman like they chant Ghostbusters, because they don't know his name yet. <laughs> this stuff in particular, when she... No, she's not going to do it yet, but when she grabs this radio... So the radio saves her? That seems like a bit of a stretch. Uh, Momentarily. Yeah, that that cable. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a reinforced cable. (laughs) (laughs) Right there, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good shot. If if you're afraid of heights, this is scary. And you can kind of tell now that it's rear projection. You know, the feet dangling. Yeah, I mean, of course you can now, but... In 1978 yeah. or when you were watching it in the, you know, 80s as a kid? Yeah. Man, he's really slow. <laughs> he doesn't know what's happening yet. It's just like, uh, you know, what was it, a hat and it fell? I do. This is a funny moment. You know, this, this, <laughs> this phone booth is not sufficient. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but, like... This pimp coming up is basically Telly Savalas. You know, they've probably replaced Telly Savalas with this pimp. There's a lot of silly stuff. Here's my iconic shot right here. Love this and the music. If only they had chuds. <laughs> here we go. This guy. Hey, Excuse me. <laughs> Who loves you, baby? <laughs> I can't see it. <laughs> Who loves you, baby? It was the 70s. Pimps were ubiquitous in New York. (laughs) That's true. I'm sure all it is. I mean, that's the deuce. I certainly learned that in the deuce. Yeah. Maybe my favorite line in the movie right here. I like that line. (laughs) No one's amazed that he's flying. Again, like, people just don't seem amazed enough. (laughs) <laughs> You're right. People really are taking super, you know, his parents, his yeah. adoptive parents take him for granted. They're just like, yay, he saved the day. It's like, aren't this is literally the first time anyone has ever seen uh, Superman. A dude's flying. Yeah. This is his first, you know, he's revealing himself he to the world. a woman and he's carrying yeah. a helicopter. And everyone's like, yay. People would be like, what is happening? This is, I mean, it would be terrifying. <laughs> I, uh, what? The world doesn't function the way I thought it does. Like, this is an existential crisis. If you saw this, <laughs> People are like, hey, "Yeah, Superman!" They don't know he's Superman yet. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. Yeah. I do love that shot where he just snatches the helicopter out of the air. There's a brief moment where it's like the, the music's like, "Oh no, the thing's flying, He's like, "No problem," snatches it out of the air. It's so cool. I love that snatching rebounds like Charles Barkley, right. snatching him down, and he has to assuage her. Statistically, flying is still the safest way to travel. And that's just a great way I like that line too just he's a friend Chris there's a clip of Christopher Reeve talking about the role this is like an interview from like the mid 80s like while he was still playing the role about his view of Superman and it's worth looking up because it it ties into that of like what does Superman mean to you who's just like you know he's a friend he's it's you know the world is sometimes scary it's a scary place and you know you don't know what's gonna happen but you know he's not some kind of savior he's not a godlike figure and I think that's what people who say oh superman's a boring character misunderstand as he's he's a way more down-to-earth character than people sometimes think of him as you know and sometimes like in batman versus superman he's de- depicted as a godlike like figure and that's why that doesn't work but when he's like this where he's just he's just a regular guy who happens to be able to fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes but you know psychologically he's just a friend and that's why i i i love christopher reeve's You know, that cuts to the heart of why I like his depiction. You know, the way he's written here is he's a friend. Yeah. You know, he's not here to save you. I mean, he is. (laughs) But (laughs) he's here to be your your friend. Here comes some of the wacky comedy. (laughs) Clearly, a canter turned on its side. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so quippy here. it's true. He's got jokes now. I want to know what this guy was doing. <laughs> he's he's trying to rob something. He's trying. I to know he's out. trying to rob something, but he's this- clearly a cat burglar. He's dressed all in black. It's pretty elaborate. So I'd like to know what was in there. Yeah, I don't know. Look! Look at this. This is him on a wire. They got him on a crane and a wire. It looks great. You buy it. On the streets of New York, they hung him from a crane. He's got jewels, even though he's climbing up. He was climbing yeah. up, he already has the jewels. I never, Literally, I've seen this movie a hundred times, I never thought about that. Well, maybe there was a bigger score, a couple sure. levels up. it was a multi-part heist. Hold, on. Now, Hold we on, we now, on to your hats. We now cut to an episode of Hawaii Five O already in progress. <laughs> or what would be a New York equivalent TV show at the time, I don't know. Hill Street Blues? Sure, that was later. I don't so know when it started, maybe it was on, I don't know. Well, I think Richard Donner got to start directing cop shows. So. Well, I mean, it's like it's like he's trying to hit everything in sight to block him. Yeah. Well, you know, you gotta do what you can to get the cops off your back. I meant that the cop was. Oh, them well, did he? Yeah, I, I I missed who. Uh, I tune out for this stuff until Superman shows. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a chase. Like
1: we, we all know when Superman well, gets say, we all
0: know who's gonna fix this problem. Yeah, exactly. It is very much like the A team, but nobody shoots anybody. Everyone misses their shots. It's true. They Just left their friends behind. Screw those two guys. <laughs> I like this guy. Don't you got us? <laughs> <laughs> that guy always his voice and always stuck in my head. Be cool. You got us. <laughs> you like, like that because I, I did it a second before he said it. It's like kids, I wanted to. I wanted to prove. Like kids playing laser tag. Uh, be cool, man. You got it's us. True. I wanted to say it before he said it It's to prove. Well, I'm actually, paintball more because you know it's like don't hit me anymore. Yeah, yeah you, you got, got me. me. I like this is the most 70s joke oh in the movie. My. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most 70s joke in that movie. Bad vibrations? Oh man. Who talks about vibrations anymore? Come on, man, it's having some good vibrations. I love this guy. With bright red boots. One of my favorite bit part actors. Big blue bird with bright red boots. The Titanic just arrived. (laughs) I miss when superheroes, you get these reactions from everyday people in superhero movies. You don't get that anymore in like Marvel movies of just people like, wow. No. That guy is doing Pe- amazing things. Pe- people are just <laughs> collateral damage yeah. in yeah, totally. the Marvel universe. That's why I liked the, the Raimi Spider-Man movies. I didn't like Tobey Maguire. I thought he was really bad. I did, but you do get a lot of the, the friendly a lot neighborhood of, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, people looking. There's Darnell. What's his name from uh, Chappelle show? Oh. Uh, uh, Darnell Robbins, something like that? Yeah, I think so. Um, he's in Spider-Man 2 where um, I don't. I have nothing to say about this cat scene, so we may as well talk about Spider-Man 2. Yeah. <laughs> um, where uh, Peter Parker has a job delivering pizzas and he's going to be late and then he's going to have to give the guy a free pizza. Yeah. And so he runs into reality, changes in Spider-Man, comes out holding the pizzas, cut to Darnell, what's his name, who sees all that happen and goes, whoa, he stole that guy's pizzas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I always loved that. It's more, I, I love little like one-line actors. And obviously, since he was in Chappelle show, I remembered him. Here's this clearly dubbed actor. A, they cast a British actor, and he, he said, yeah, I can do an American accent, and he, he obviously couldn't. <laughs> I always noticed this guy and how clearly dubbed he was. We lost the whole engine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can still fly with three engines I mean, out, out of I'd, four. Yeah, and I actually think that's... <laughs> the, like, to clearly cry, like, it clearly crashed, like, pointed straight down. <laughs> what were you saying? That's actually, I think, part of the reason of actually mutually exclusive engines and why Air Force One is a plane like that yeah. is for exactly that reason. Right. Like you can fly with no, you can glide for a while. They're crashing it's like immediate. immediately their nose is pointed down. It's like glide for a while. Sully made it at least like five miles until he got into the, over the sea, into the river. He lost one engine. You'll be fine. These are just clearly incompetent pilots. <laughs> <laughs> the, the salute is a nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> he waves and looks at his own hand. I do remember Tom Mankiewicz on the commentary saying that that moment is a little overwritten. <laughs> he just const- he's just constantly like just don't pay attention, don't look yeah. outside. There's a gremlin on the side of the bus. True. Yeah, if John Lithgow and or William Shatner had been back there, been like there's a red and white man on the wing of the plane, a <laughs> red and blue. I'm not that drunk yet. I know the difference between white and blue. JVC uh, product placement here. Another uh, that was pretty prominent. Yeah, there were three different JVC signs in that shot. I like was just Metropolis News. What channel is it? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I like that he's got a swim. cap. He's got a pool. Yeah, and a swim cap. Well, th- that's the running joke about his hair in this movie, because Gene Hackman didn't want to shave his head or wear a bald cap. So every t- every scene he's got a different hairstyle, and then it's revealed at the end they were all wigs. That's that's the running joke of this movie. Although clearly he's got a he's got hair underneath there. You can see his sideburns. Yeah. He's got maid service. It's like you know curtained bed. It's like four-post bed. Is that a caramel apple? I think so, yeah. I never noticed that. What? Where did he get it? <laughs> I don't know. Another, this is a different room with full globe lighting. Like, this is the most beautiful home. I don't, yeah, I don't know why she's... They've in- got awesome TV reception at a time when it would have to be over the air. They're at 200 feet below. How are they getting TV reception? He must have installed a TV on the sur- or an antenna on the surface <laughs> and run cable down. You wonder why this work relationship exists. Why would Luthor have Otis around and then why would Otis put up he's Lex (laughs) would gladly kill him, he says. It's true. Look, Mono why? Oh, I, I was gonna I was too late. I was gonna close my eyes and prove that I knew all of those headlines. I don't think I remembered Blue Bomber Buzz's Metropolis. Really good and smooth, Clark. <laughs> he really does try and blow it at every turn, doesn't I, he? Yeah, that's the thing. I buy that no one would believe it, except for the fact that he's constantly like giving it away. Hey, who, why don't you take a closer look around? <laughs> right. Mm? <laughs> <laughs> he's looking. <laughs> Clearly, he, he gave her that note because he wrote it because he's Superman. <laughs> if anyone was paying attention. Who's your favorite ball team, Kent? <laughs> <clears throat> I clearly it's the Metropolis something's, or maybe it's the small. Uh, do you think smallville's in Kansas? Uh, yes. Yeah, smallville's in Kansas. Kansas I, City would probably be the closest team. That would be the closest, even though it's not in Kansas. Yeah. So now, Perry White has abandoned all other stories to try to get an exclusive. You would think Lois would be like, hey, you can call everybody else off. I've got the story. Superman wrote me a note saying he's going to meet me. (laughs) All these other people running around. Maybe you don't need to waste their time. Maybe you could be reporting on, you know, other news. Yes. Politics and corruption. (laughs) Exactly. She's got a, a... pretty palatial estate, too. Oh, yeah. On on a reporter's salary? She's got this, like... She must must be on the take. (laughs) By who? She's writing stories... uh, She's covering things up for some of those politicians. She's burying stories. I I don't know. Yeah, this is... This this patio is incredible. In Manhattan. Or, you know, Metropolis version of Manhattan. Maybe Metropolis, you know, is just incredibly cheap to live in. (laughs) It's not New York, it's Metropolis. So maybe, you know... I like that idea. Lex probably got that thing for on the cheap. She got this place on the cheap. I don't think we ever see where Clark lives in this movie. We see it in a later movie, I think. Also... Margot Kidder, you shouldn't smoke, because by the fourth movie, she's got a real frog in her throat. <laughs> her voice changes quite a bit, and I am sure I think it's because Margot Kidder, Kidder smoked. Well, it is not good for you. That's, That's for true. sure. Well, this is, like, around the time when people were learning that. So, like, oh. a lot of jokes around this time were making... It was, b- it was well before then. When was, like, the events of the Insider? Oh, the, the Surgeon General? Yeah. Surgeon General warnings date back to, like, the 50s. Really? Yeah. I thought it was the sixties at the early. Well, ones. it's like the late fifties, early sixties. Because actually when Mad Men picks up is like the very early sixties and they're like scrambling trying to figure out That's right. So it's like the late fifties, early sixties. Okay. But nonetheless. We don't know we don't know necessarily the time period. We're assuming this is the seventies because there's He grew up in the fifties. Rock around the clock was playing All when right. Clark was a teenager. <laughs> this is in the late seventies. And there's also Telly Savalas, like pimps moving around. <laughs> yes, there's a pimp. There's Superman making jokes about bad vibrations. <laughs> it's at least post-hippies. He's making a joke about bad vibrations. Please don't say the word hippie, because I just think Rick Dalton. From now on, I'll never think anything but Rick God Dalton. Goddamn effing hippies. <laughs> well, the hippies think, uh but... We talked over it, but I always find a, the, a strange moment where... She's like, how tall are you? And he says... Well, first she makes a how big are you? Oh, I'm sorry, how tall are you? Which is a funny joke. Um, but the most uh, adult joke in this movie, for sure. Um, but he goes, oh, yeah, I'm 6'4", 225. And then he gets all sheepish. Like, oh, I know that's, like, heavy. I don't know why he, like, gets embarrassed about playing 225. He's a six huge 6'4", four. Four, yeah. as muscular as, as uh, Christopher Reeve was in this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't feel bad about that. Yeah. The scene is really uh, functional in this section of just. I really got to establish. Here are his powers. What can Superman do? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's. It's also very flirtatious in a way that is fun, but a, a good portion of this movie is just perf- like information. And it's in case you don't know who Superman is here. are All his powers, and all his limitations, like not being able to see through lead. a planner made of lead. <laughs> who, who's got planners made of lead? I mean, if it's sitting out there in the elements all the time. An impish smile on superman's <laughs> face that seems a little i mean it was the 70s so maybe but that seems a little forward for superman to to <laughs> you know tell her that he can see her underwear i've seen everything <laughs> I've yeah seen all- yeah i mean presumably he can see through the underwear also oh, so right. i mean he's he's signaling to her like <laughs> listen you asked That could be taken a really bad way. <laughs> I mean, I think it's intentionally very uh, it, it, for a movie that's in a kid, obviously yeah. intended to appeal to kids. They're, yeah. they're they're trying to they're making this as sexual as they can. You know, uh, you know, it's obviously all innuendo, but yes. and actually bondish in that I'm way too. Here's an interesting moment here. <laughs> You're going to s- end up fighting every elected official
1: in this country. <laughs> <laughs>
0: sure, you don't really mean that, Lois.
1: I don't believe this,
0: Lois. Hmm? I just love that. I always found that very funny. He, he says the line, I fight for truth, justice, in the American way, and because it was the, the cynical 70s, you're going to be fighting every, you know, she's not wrong, but I just yeah, think it's interesting that they ad- they address that, that how, just how fast you fly. it is very corny, the well, line well, of I fight for truth, justice, direction. in the American way, they have to kind of say, yes, we know that this is, Safe. you know, cheesy. Why don't we but they lean out? into it. And how do you
1: propose we do
0: that? They
1: with me? You mean I could fly? Well, actually,
0: yeah. Uh... <laughs> I'd
1: be handling the flying
0: if that's
1: okay. This is utterly. Are you serious? matter you to go?
0: Okay. Not I do really like the sequence. The sweater. Must be kind of cool. Even as a kid I liked it before I would have cared about like the love story. I mean it's an iconic scene. It was, I, I for a time it was definitely considered like one of the great Hollywood scenes. I think yeah. it's kind of fallen off a little bit. Yeah. But I, I do, I do remember that that yeah. it is, and I wasn't a huge Superman fan, but I, I do think it's it's up there. This sequence is coming up. It's, you know, you'd see it in like Oscar. You know, uh, that's always my judgment of whether it's a memorable scene. If you see it in like an Oscar yeah. montage of like the great movie moments, that's a great line there. And the way and Christopher Reeve's delivery, which is like, she, she brings up Peter Pan, and he's like Peter Pan, you know, it was, it was a fairy tale. He flew with children or whatever. And I just like his delivery. That line, that wire work is not great. So that one you can tell they were kind of uh, being pulled along, but it's all it 's all John Williams, I think even as a kid that 's yeah. what got me through this scene of like it's it's magical even even if you you know it 's obviously a romantic scene, but even disregarding that it 's just it sells the how amazing it is that he can fly in a way that prior scenes where people were taking it for granted. You know, I like that they're treating it. There's a whole sequence of just like, isn't it amazing? He can f- you can freaking fly. <laughs> it's awesome. You know, and it's just magical. I genuinely, you know, I don't say that lightly. That's this shot is maybe not the best either. That effect. Yeah. They're, they're like lying on a green table. <laughs> 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 yeah, here, Yeah, they just lean right in. It's yeah, Metropolis. What? Yeah, in the World Trade Center, which maybe <laughs> shouldn't yeah. be commented on. Yeah. Where are you on that one, Superman. Although, once again, a sequence that maybe goes on too long, but I don't mind it. I mean, it's going to go on for a while. There's going to be a whole, like, poetry slam by Lois Lane coming up in a minute. (laughs) There's a poetry slam? Oh, yeah. You don't remember this? No. She was supposed to sing, but then they learned after they cast her that Margaret Kidder cannot sing. And they could have just had, you know, another, you know, as the singing voice of Lois Lane is this woman, just dubbing in. Yeah. But um, I don't think she was supposed to, I mean, it was supposed to be, like, just over the the soundtrack. She wasn't literally gonna like the character wasn't gonna sing, it was just gonna be Margot Kidder singing a song. Yeah, and like this though, it just it at first it's all it's flying around metropolis and seeing the sights, and then it becomes like this like weirdly abstract stuff. Right, where they're just like alone in a void above <laughs> the clouds. But I like it. I'm I'm not I I'm maybe sounding more sarcastic than I mean to sound because See and for me I, I believe that the seeing the sights I, I could see where Lois Lane would be fine there. This, this high up, I don't. I'm not sure Lois Lane would be doing too well. Well, but you know, he wants to get her alone. This is like their makeout point. You know? I know that. What I'm saying is that, like, I believe that his body can can with hand. You know, handle. Oh, they're not probably that high. They're above the clouds. It'd probably be a little thin, but. their make-out point. <laughs> but you know what I mean. She, he wants to get her alone to have a romantic moment. If they're flying over the streets and everyone's gawking at him, that's not romantic. This is weird how she's like, somehow, something's holding her up. I never quite understood this. Yeah, He's like imbuing her with her, his powers. I was going to say, the, the physics, it couldn't unless his powers yeah, At some point, there's lift. Like, yeah, he, he can fly, but physics still exists. Right. Even as a kid, I remember thinking, like I don't know how that works. this does go on a long time oh, here comes We're the not- poetry oh. <laughs> well, it, you can tell you can hear them in the music do you know all the things you do to me oh, i got the line wrong but wondering who you are it's like you know she was supposed to sing all this i'm getting see- all the words wrong but that's fine i can see that just a friend from another star it's it's this part where she goes oh wait no it's later but there's a moment in this where she goes, you can fly. You belong in the sky. And it's like, are you like five? What, what's going on? It's because she was supposed to be singing all of this. And this is actually now perfect since we, I can tie it together. She must, they have the shining. Apparently Superman can shine, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, it is kind of similar. Because she's not talking. Well, and also there's that moment in the shining where, I mean, they don't physically fly, but she uh rose the hat kind of mentally fired oh, yeah. yeah, I thought that's what you meant. No, I meant to just, yeah, i mean, I don't think this movie is saying that Superman can literally read her mind and that she's literally thinking this. this is just supposed to be like a lyrical moment, gotcha here it is, <laughs> you know it's like she turns into like a five year old for a second. But it makes sense as a part of this, you can fly, you belong in the sky, you and I, we belong with each other. It, it, you can tell when you listen to the music, the lyrics fit it perfect. You're right. I like the idea of a poetry slam, though. It, it works for me fine. Like, it's, 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 it's weird. Too long, it's way too long of a it, sequence. It, it, so. it, it, it's long. But people loved it at the time. This was the yeah. scene that everyone talked about at the time. Well, because at the time, seeing somebody fly in the movies, yeah, was a no, huge but deal. but that's genuinely romantic and, and sweet. You know, the, the, them talking on the patio where it was all this innuendo. You know, that was them having some fun. But this is them genuinely falling Connecting. in love. Yeah. yeah, or maybe not falling in love quite yet. But you know, having a, a really genuine romantic moment. This stuff. I, I mean, this is why I love Margot Kidder's. She can do this, where she's just like love struck girl. And also do like the tough, you know, in the newsroom, I'm going to get the story. How do you spell bloodletting? You know what I mean? She can do both sides. In the same way, I mean, I think she deserves as much credit for being able to play both sides of that coin as Christopher Reeve gets, or should get for Superman Clark Kent. I think it's just as tough what she's doing. This shot's cool. At the time, no one knew how they did it. Superman flies off, all one shot. She walks into her apartment. She names him Superman. What a Superman. That's a little corny. I will acknowledge when this movie is silly and corny and uh, that's okay. One, she walks in and Clark is behind this door and it, I, they do explain it on one of these DVDs. It's that, that Superman flying off was a screen. There's a rear projection screen so they film that separately. He flew, flies off. But you know they do all this in one shot. Yeah, that's pretty. It cool. really sells it. And even though she's got this what I thought was a pretty swank place that's a lot of locks on that door. Sure. Well, it's the '70s, and it's New York. And it's, they're they're clearly selling what kind of a town this is. <laughs> he's very funny. Christopher Reeve is very funny with Clark Kent. You know, it's it's intent. I think the performance is an intentionally kind of performance for Reeve. And then this stuff. Oh man, I love this. Before your eyes, he transforms into Superman. That's why I buy it. You see it happen in front of your eyes. So, yeah, now he's Superman, and. Oh, I better not (laughs) say pink underwear. Think, don't say pink underwear, (laughs) don't say pink underwear, don't say pink underwear. He's trying real hard to to not give it away. Any chickens out here? (laughs) Don't say pink underwear, don't say pink underwear. (laughs) Yeah, he already saw the contents of her (laughs) purse. That's right. Uh, Eventually she's going to catch on. But like that—that's why I don't mind the glasses thing, because it's such a physical transformation. You see it happen before, you know, in the performance. The performance absolutely is, but again,
1: <laughs> I know, just I know. Got glasses.
0: Oh, Bernie's dead. What he looks alive because he's got on sunglasses. Look at that library. <laughs> yes, this is a palace. Lex, you don't need to, uh, you know, have this real estate scam. Sometimes you just got to appreciate what you've got. I agree. Yeah, Otis is really uh, eating a lot. I never noticed how much he's eating in this movie. (laughs) Gene Hackman doing his own stunts here. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess I don't know how you make villains in a Superman movie work. I mean, I, I, I never agreed with the idea that Superman was a boring character. People say, oh, he's a boring character. He's overpowered, quote-unquote. So like, he's got yeah, every power. It's can't, hard. It's hard. But at the same time, that's not... It's never been what's interesting to me. His character is not his powers. His character is, you know, that he grew up on a farm, and uh, he, he, you know, he wants to help, but also he wants to maintain his secret identity so that his friends aren't hurt. And that's, I find that to be an interesting narrative tension, but that's all internal to Superman. Like, Superman's villains generally are not interesting. So I guess, you know, part of me, as an adult, I look at this stuff and I go, you know, Lex doesn't really seem like a threat. He eventually becomes more of a threat later in the movie, but they're mostly playing him for laughs here. Obviously, with like Otis and... Without a doubt. At this point in the movie, he does not seem remotely a threat to Superman, though. But I guess, what do you do? How, How do you make a villain, especially Lex Luthor, just a guy and his two idiots... How do you make him threatening? I guess you just concede that he's not, you know, and just make a, a comic. Well, I mean, when you compare it with, you know, Jesse Eisenberg, I, I'd rather, I'd rather this com- compared to the choices made in that I, I agree. I didn't hate him. I didn't mind him. You know, I don't think he was the problem with that movie, but no, that movie had saying, a lot of problems and he wasn't helping. No, uh, what I'm saying is that if you go the try and make it threatening, it's not believable because... Oh, sure. Particularly, it's, you know, Lex Luthor is, uses his mind. He's not, it's not going to be a physical imposing, so it's like, sure. don't try and make him that kind of threatening. Yeah, but he doesn't seem like that either. Nothing we've seen so far makes you feel like, oh, wow, this guy's a genius. He's, he, he's going to outthink Superman. <laughs> he's just he's a guy with a, 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 a library and a pool with a couple of idiot hangers on. I always was angry at Lois as a kid about this stuff. Like, she gave away all Superman's secrets in the newspaper. Lex Luthor's going to use them against him. I, I really was genuinely angry as a kid. I'm just like, how could she do that? What a betrayal. She, she, literally, he has only two weaknesses, and she gave the bowl away. <laughs> <laughs> well, To be fair, it, he shouldn't have told her. I was going to say, in her defense, he just met her, and he immediately tells her his two weaknesses. Yeah, I agree. I, as an adult, I go, yes, yeah, Superman is to blame for that. She's a reporter. She has to report on the information kit she has. It's a big scoop. She's found out Superman's weaknesses. I guess this shows that Lex is a genius. He can build a radio-controlled car. I was going to say, eat your heart out, Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of flips. (laughs) (laughs) Flips impossible. (laughs) That was almost as many, because I think uh, Casino Royale has the record for a number of times a car flips on screen. Is it really? That was pretty close. Yeah, it's like nine or something. When when Bond crashes, oh, yeah. the... Uh, in, yeah, in the, no, that I, I definitely the remember the scene. Yeah. yeah, when he swerves to uh, avoid. Here's a scene that would not be done today. We will see why in a moment. God, I mean, this is so goofy. <laughs> nu- a nuclear missile, and he sneaks. He, he's able to he get access to it by pretending to be a tree.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reaction of that guy. Like, this is the best thing I'm going to have in my entire time of the armed forces, and my commanding officer just stole it. Oh, yeah, they're escorting nuclear missiles. Didn't expect uh, to I have was, this opportunity. Just gonna, yeah, actually, they're probably like, well, I... I got a really bad job normally because I'm probably getting exposed to massive amounts of radiation. Yeah, exactly. Also, I have to think, obviously, this is a comic book cartoonish movie, but uh, two, or I guess there's only one nuclear missile. Or maybe it's two, I forget. No, I think it's two. Hi. <laughs> um, guarded by like eight <laughs> army guys. You know, not really, you don't want to spend too much resources guarding two nuclear missiles. Yeah, you'd like to think you had SEAL Team 6. And just cart it around on the missiles. Like, take the warhead off, move the missiles separately, <laughs> hide the warheads in the back of a truck or something. Just like it all, right, Otis, all, right. all right, Otis, listen, it isn't that I don't trust you, but uh, I, I don't trust you, Otis. What'd you do? Well, I I set uh, the first directional vector to uh, 38, the second one to 67, and the third one to 117. What
1: about
0: the fourth one? <laughs> what, 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 fourth? One? Oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. The third one to one seventeen. Yes, see, I wrote it down. Mister Luthor, I wrote it. Otis. Otis. The third one was supposed to be. A the line. real, who's on first type of an, a, a uh, situation <laughs> for for the villains of this movie to be uh getting themselves in. I
1: guess my arm wasn't long enough. See, Otis. Would you like to see a long arm? Otis. You like to see
0: a very, very long The most brilliant man on the earth Lex <laughs> Luthor Forgets that he has to drive a car Or an ambulance It's so weird The I, 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 last time I watched this as an, adult, as an adult I'm just like Why does this movie feel like they have to do this twice They, they have one scheme They set the thing Otis screws <laughs> up And then they have to do a thing again Right like this is this is a movie that has pacing problems. As an adult I can't uh, I love this movie to death. Why are there two identical scenes like <laughs> have to sneak into this rocket and set the coordinates? You can just do this one. Honestly, you know, if I'm in the editing room, you start the scene here. I like Gene Hackman in this outfit yeah, though. And aren't they like, "Hey, weren't you driving that ambulance? I know your hair is different. <laughs> I know you got a hat." Yeah, but... you have a hat and you have a different wig on but clearly you are the ambulance driver. And again, no suspicion. It's like, nuclear warheads, anytime anything out of the ordinary happens, you'd think they'd be like, high alert. Absolutely, they'd have their weapons (laughs) drawn. That guy's there, though. He he peeked around. (laughs) At least they've got one guy back guarding it. I like how she knows what she's doing, too. Both Otis and Miss Tessmacher. Well, clearly they were briefed by Lex, the, the brains of the operation. I just realized in, in that when she was like climbing up, she was barely wearing anything at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, she's dressed in that dress that earlier she, you know, was intended to destroy. I know, with. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, Miss Tessmacher, a memorable uh, performance. I'm not sure I'd say use that word, but memorable. I want to touch on this plan of uh, Lex's later when he lays it out to Superman. Cuz we learn here Lois is chasing a story. She got the scoop of the century, she interviewed Superman, and now she's out in New Mexico chasing some land deal. It's like what what is her beat? <laughs> why is this let's, isn't like, New York? Let's try, and, let's try and figure this out. She's n- needing to know how to spell massacre. There are not two Ps and rapist yes. at the start. Yes, bloodletting. She yeah, needs so to learn like how to spell bloodletting. Yeah, so I mean look, that that I can definitely see. It's some you know it's like a crime beat, yeah, she's some on sort a crime of beat. Vi- violent crime beat. Right. How does a land deal in the southwest United States I can <laughs> apply? Why is that in a metropolis? Because of her connection, she can you know she convinces Perry White I can get I can get an interview with Superman. I can buy that. So I'm off the crime beat. This no. Yeah, it's like a real step down after getting the exclusive interview yes. with the alien who has arrived on the yes. on the planet <laughs> who can he carry helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> This speech gets cut off, but I do kind of like... <laughs> just Perry White, just telling him he's soft. You're awful. <laughs> yeah. This, I'm not sure how... I guess Lex just assumes that Superman will be able to hear this. This yeah. is not in Lois's newspaper article. No, it doesn't make sense. He just figures he's got super, you know... Everything? Well, if he's got super hearing, he can probably hear on a spectrum that uh, humans can't hear, I guess. Did uh, did Ra's al Ghul, did he steal from Lex Luthor? Why? What, uh, what did he steal? Uh, well, because they're using the sewers and underground poison gas release. Oh, well, it, it's revealed in a second that it's a ruse. I know, but he's lying here. Okay, he's lying, but did Rosal go oh, say, oh, well, that was a good idea? Sure, yes. Let's, I'm going to actually do Lex that. Lex didn't put it into the, in the service, but I'm going to. Yeah, and then he pumped poison into the water supply, and then he's going to use some kind of device to instantly vaporize all of the water, thereby releasing the poison into the air. In, the, Al- yeah, in Batman yeah, Begins, yeah. Yeah, he uses, um, yes. The, is, who doesn't see this? <laughs> he jumps out the window, no one says, hey. And no one on the street sees it. I never like. I never like that. Oh, that should not happen. Yeah, he just magically turns into Superman. That's magic. Yeah, that that he, Superman shouldn't be able to do that. These movies do invent a lot of Superman powers. Superman four being the worst of them, where he has he he looks at the Great Wall of China and rebuilds it. He has Mason revision. What? <laughs> The villain of that movie, Nuclear Man, destroys the Great Wall of China, and then Superman rebuilds it by looking at it, I now beams shoot out of his eyes, and then it goes, and the re- it rebuilds the Great Wall of China. So him I'm transforming there is not so bad compared to that. Nuclear Man, that movie yep. is bad. Yes. It's, a, it's bad. It's very bad. With Gene Hackman's voice. That's the best part of Nuclear Man. If you do not bring me the girl, I will hurt people. That's his big line in Superman 4. <laughs> <laughs> stay calm I'm gonna drill myself down into the street I'll <laughs> she called him a numbskull that's a word we need to bring back it should come back and I'm telling you right now Public Works is furious with Superman no right he now. was careful no, no water's coming down there's no sparks or anything that's gonna be a lot of work to fix oh sure you gotta plug the hole but he uses x-ray vision to make sure he wasn't cutting through anything important you know he's the, what's, what's that service you call to make sure there's no Julie. gas Julie yeah Julie he's like a one man Julie In the director's cut, there's a whole sequence where Gene, uh, where Lex Luthor has like a million traps for Superman, even though he knows they won't work. Like shoot him with machine guns and try to set him on fire. It's like you you read the story. That's why I don't like the director's cut. It's like a whole bunch of stuff like that that's just unnecessary. This movie's long enough. <laughs> he just assumes. You know what I kind of want to have happen? <laughs> What's that? I'm going to go down to Emmett's fix-it shop to fix Emmett. (laughs) That's what I'd like to happen to Otis. Where's Otis? I recognize the line. I don't remember what that's from. That's when uh, Charles Bronson guest starred on the Andy Griffith show. Oh, where's Otis? He's not in his cell. I shot him. What? That's what I want to happen to this Otis. (laughs) Now I'm going down to Emmett's fix-it shop to fix Emmett. Well, I was going to say Superman shoots Otis a really mean look. Particularly mean for Superman, and he doesn't know who this guy is. I mean, for all he knows, he's, he's being held captive. He uh, offers to take Superman's cape very kindly. that is true, but I think he surmises pretty quickly that they're they're hangers, yeah, probably Lex So here's where Lex explains his plan to detonate a nuclear device on the San Andreas Fault to cause California to fall into the sea, and yep. he has bought up all of the land. Where the new coast would be, thereby becoming... like Lakefront, tro- wide, <laughs> oceanfront property. Exactly. So in your experience in, in being involved in real estate, do you think this is a plausible plan... Would he be able to buy up the entire new coastline? No. Well, who's it, he buying it from? It's like it's all like park like national parks and stuff probably, right? Well, I can't tell where the new coastline would be. I was going to say it depends on where the coastline is. Part of the problem is like if it's in Nevada, no, the Bureau of Land Management owns yeah, meaning the federal, federal government. Federal yeah. land. It's either the western or the eastern half of California, which is all like yeah, national it is, parks. It, it's Cal- it, it's uh, the Inland Empire of California and then Oh, I guess no, it's it's like more Okay, that that line may seem like it's pretty. It's not too much of California falls into this. No, it's not. But I, I can't say like the Inland Empire is kind of the crappy people. Sure. You move out to the Inland Empire because it's cheap and you drive Fresno. to Fresno. No one goes to Fresno anymore. Fresno. Nobody goes to Fresno anymore. <laughs> I guess so. I guess maybe it's plausible enough that the land would a be available. Yeah. It's implied that he's buying it up for a ridiculous pricing. Yeah, because there's nothing out there. But he must be rich enough to be able to buy all the land. That's a well, lot that, of land he'd it, be buying. It, it, it's an insane amount of land. There's yes. no way. No matter how cheap it was. <laughs> yeah. Even if it was a dollar an acre, it <laughs> right. wouldn't be. But it's but, a lot of land. Yeah. Just be happy with how wealthy you already are, Lex. And where did Lex get that movie? Money. Yeah, he must Just, have... just to get to where he's at today. Sure. Do that again whatever you did. <laughs> Otis Berg (laughs) I like how Superman is critiquing his plan. I have some (laughs) objections about the finer points of your plan I've learned many things about real estate. Let me tell you a few (laughs) things. Just punch (laughs) them Let me give you my ten point critique of your plan (laughs) That's a nice dissolve to the actual fault That one was thought through but it makes zero sense why the Daily Planet is paying money to, to have Lois Lane out yeah, there. Yeah, and Jimmy's here taking photos of the Hoover Dam. <laughs> so that's where, that seems uh, that would imply that, that it's around here where Lex is buying up all the land. So that's, that's way inland. Yeah, but it, it that's, wouldn't be. That's Nevada. It's, it is, but there's no based on that map, there's no way. Yeah, there's no way. And there's Cliff Flavin in a small role. Oh, wow. He was living in the UK at the time, which is why he showed up in all these movies. He's in the, he's in the Empire Strikes Back for one scene. I kind of remember Empire, yeah. Empire. He's in a Bond movie. I forget which one. Oh, the reason glasses. the reason why is because of where the launch site is. That's why it's near the Hoover Dam because that's the launch site. That's not where the land. is No, but I think f- he's there with Lois to follow up on the real estate story where she's 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 investigating Lex buying up all the land. Oh, maybe he's just on a little detour. He wanted Jimmy wanted to see the Dan (laughs) and his company. These are just photos for his own uh, personal use. Yeah. That was very Police Academy, (laughs) (laughs) Proctor. (laughs) Yeah, he does that. He does that even more later, even more of a bellow of Miss Tessmacher later. I I like this. So what's funny is for Superman, she she's actually kind of dressed almost like a. Oh, like yeah. a school she, teacher. Oh, no, she's but, sweet on him for sure. No, but she, she saying, knows that he's a schoolboy and he, I, I she guess, wants to appeal to him. I guess because for the soldiers, a very different outfit oh, sure, from yeah. Miss Tesla. No, she knows her audience. That's always criticized. I Where are my detonators? <laughs> That's right. Car is up there what uh, what's criticized um, people say like Superman like Alex says even at your great speed you could never stop both nuclear missiles and people point out like when you see him at the end of the movie flying around the earth turn back time he is literally circling the earth at one rotation a second he could clearly catch both of these missiles yeah but whatever you have to buy it I always thought that was a badass line I'll mold this box <laughs> into your prison bars that is so not Superman that's like a dirty hairy line well, that is. but it's so badass but he pays the price for his hubris. You will not bowl those Brox and prison bars. Maybe he did later. We don't know. Well, it would be only a little portion of the prison bars. He'd need a lot more. That's left. true. That's not enough to form sufficient prison bars. I never thought about that. You were great in your day. Superman's only been around <laughs> for <laughs> a week. Yeah, that's true. Talk about hubris. Lex has got a little. He's already like (laughs) building up his story greater than it is. It's very literal. Literally your day. Your one day where you were around. You were great in your day. (laughs) Mind over muscle. Yeah, that's a good line for Lex. I just don't, you don't see enough of his mind at work. No. (laughs) They snuck up on a missile, punched some coordinates in and let the government launch them. This is also very Bond. I'm going to put you in a dangerous situation and then walk away and assume you died. This is maybe the most Bond villain thing that Lex does. Hank He shuts up the lights. I never really noticed that. I'm going to turn off the lights. I <laughs> got save energy. Hey, he he <laughs> gave him, didn't get rich by writing a bunch <laughs> of checks. True, yeah. My mother lives. There's no way Miss Tessmacher's mother lives in Hackensack. Why? Why not? Why couldn't she have grown up in Hackensack? I don't buy she, it. She moved to Metropolis, you know, when she became an adult and fell in with the wrong crowd. It's Tessmacher! Yeah, Hank Scorpio, he would have made sure the job was finished. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Hank Scorpio didn't finish the job Homer did. He had to pick up the <laughs> Scorpio's slack <laughs> after Bond freed himself with a coin. Am I proud of you? This is a real uh, mistake. I always notice this map. Look at that map of the United States. It's garbage. It looks nothing like the United States. All the states are drawn it, wrong. It looks like one that I might draw. <laughs> I always noticed that even as a kid. Like, that's not right. Illinois doesn't look like Illinois. I mean, it's vaguely in the shape. Um, but I was going to say, this is a real miscalculation by Lex. Firing the other missile, which is only there... I mean, maybe this is his secret plan, is that he knows it's Ms. Tec- if Mestasmacher frees him she'll insist that he save her mother Could and be. go after the Hackensack one first, which is what happens. But it's like, why fire it at Miss Tessmacher's mother's home? Maybe he didn't know. Right? Because now she's just going to free him. Like Lex has won. If, he, if he'd only fired one missile, he would have won. Yeah. But because he fired the second one at her mother's house. <laughs> and because he, t- he didn't have to tell her where it was going, right? <laughs> well, he told Superman. He was just gloating. I know what Superman's it's... like you don't even care where the other one and goes. You just sent it as a distraction. He's like I know exactly where it's going, Hackensack, New Jersey. It's an arbitrary place, but he knows where it's going. It's well, it, but it's not arbitrary. Did he choose it? Right. It, maybe did, it's not. Maybe he's got a beef with Miss Hack uh, with <laughs> Miss mother. Maybe. Maybe she was his old assistant, her, her mother, and Could... you know. Okay. This Tesmacher taking advantage of poor Superman. He doesn't seem too put off by it. No, that was a good throw by her too. <laughs> if, I didn't
1: think you'd let me later. Well, thank you, Tesmacher. Why is it I can't get it on with a good
0: guy? Jeez. <laughs> That's very 70s two getting out. He doesn't huh? he doesn't say anything. Middle either way. He's like maybe <laughs> hey, you know, when, I, when we're done, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll come back. I got a little I've got some work to do. Right. I he didn't You're right. He he didn't say no. He didn't say no. I mean, to be fair, in Superman 2, she is not getting it on with the good guys. She's continuing to get it on with the bad guys. So I guess she didn't come back. I think no yeah, she's definitely in Superman 2 on Lexus. Look at that map. It's so bad. <laughs> it is really bad. Um, the, you know what the United States we may be getting what we deserve if that's what we yeah. If that's what we've got drawn. Again, filmed in the UK, so they are like, hey, someone yeah. in yeah, like this is mostly. I, uh, there's a peninsula down for <laughs> Florida. I think the the outer borders of the US are correct, but the state borders oh, are adro- really atrocious. <laughs> You know, for like, t- I know there are th- these are like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I just really noticed, yeah, the oh, plane states are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, they show that map so many times I didn't even notice at that time. Um, these are supposed to be like test detonations, and this missile flies so low. Like, what was the test? Like, you would think if these had flown the way, that the place they were supposed to fly, like, still a risk that it would hit something and explode. Yes. They fly really low. Also, does the Army have nuclear weapons? Isn't that all like NORAD or something? I don't know, uh, I don't know how that works. I don't know. I, I th- yeah, I thought the Air Force is who... Sure, yeah, that would, that would make sense. The arsenal? And like the Navy and subs. Well, hold on. Let's think about it. Well, it's definitely... Yeah, the the nuclear device and subs. My dad was actually on one of the first nuclear subs. Um, I'm trying to think of Terminator 3 now. What... What branch of that was the Air Force? The military. Yeah, I'm trying to think. That was all on an Air Force base. Yeah, so I, I think it was the Air Force. Yeah. I was just trying to think of uh, Claire Danes. I can't remember the character's name. Her her father. Yeah, I think I think that was all the Air Force. I think he was a major. Letters free. A very 70s song on the radio. This is the 70s for sure. Yep. I forget who that is. Way to go, Superman! I'm sure this was very shocking at the time. Like, I've seen this movie so many times, I've always known what the ending is and how things play out. But I'll bet to audiences in the 70s, having Superman fail to stop this other nuclear explosion and causing this earthquake and, you know, this bad stuff. He, like, Superman did not succeed in saving the day. Nope. I'm sure this was, you know, maybe shocking is the wrong word, but it's, like, surprising. Hey... In a Superman movie, you expect him to always get there in time. He doesn't get there in time here. Well, he should have been able to. He should have been able to, based on speeds that he should be able to fly. It's not a, it's not an invalid criticism. I think it, you could argue that him turning back time Lo- at the end isn't like a literal thing. But Lo- Lois, just stop <laughs> right driving. Well, she's trying to escape the earthquake. <laughs> she's trying to outrun the earthquake. <laughs> I think literally a crevice opens up behind her, and she's trying to flee that. Meanwhile, Superman is just literally going to hell. Bang. <laughs> Did the subtitle say buying? Yes. I didn't notice. That's awesome. Well, we had to know what that goat was saying. Where are there goat farms in California? Oh, no. Just Goats. So, I mean, what is Superman trying to accomplish right now? Well, you'll see in a second. He's, he's, he's repairing the damage to the fault line, essentially. He's going to lift the tectonic plate by, by hand in a moment. That guy in that Thunderbird is dead. That, he, hit that, <laughs> oh, he hit that bus hard. There are no <laughs> the, airbags. Just, there's no airbags no. in that Firebird, 89 Mercury the Sable, there are airbags. Not in that. Oh, I knew you were going to say it. But I still couldn't beat it to it. <laughs> he's yeah, see, he's, Mercury Sable. here's what he's doing. He's he's lifting the tectonic plate and stopping the earthquake. Okay, here I I. Do. You would think once he leaves, it would just f- shift again and the earthquake would start up again. Like he can't stay here. He's literally Atlas holding up the earth. As soon I, as he leaves, it's going to start up again. I can buy that his powers that he can do all this and he can be down there. Right. But that's his his clothes. They need to be completely burned off and he needs to be like Clark when he first landed buck naked. Yeah, but these are Kryptonian. This is the stuff they put in his ship with him so you can assume. I guess. This in this version of Superman his his clothing is invulnerable. Like when he gets shot it doesn't create a hole. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one yeah. that needs to come back. Yeah, I, I agree. Holy mackerel. <laughs> You know, this is one of those things. Like the entire, the entire state is falling into the earth. He's got this he's, train coming. Yeah, out. he's got to save this train. Like, what happens when the next train comes by? I don't think he he repairs the track. <laughs> I guess you don't see what happens. What was the other one? Holy mackerel, but you said not ditto. No. Um, um, she calls him like a lunkhead or something, something uh, like that. No, it wasn't lunkhead. It was Dimwit? No, I forget. It's fallen... The word is so fallen out of fashion that we can't remember what it is. Was it nincompoop? Nincompoop. It might have been nincompoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what I'm... gonna do.
1: My eyes, the goggles, <laughs> they do
0: nothing. You know, especially with the water flooding. Yes. Real acid... Superman movies love power stations going crazy. because There's one in Superman 3 also. There's a big switch. You guys could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Any one of you could have done that. <laughs> you didn't need to be Superman. <laughs> Literally just, just turn off the power. <laughs> Superman has better things to do. But then he did say with authority, is that man all right? Well, here's what I was going to know. What if he wasn't? What is Superman going to well, do? He, maybe he would have flown to the hospital. This is the sequence with maybe the most questionable special effects. And I think I remember reading or seeing somewhere that they, like... Industrial Light and Magic or whoever they who was doing the effects couldn't do all of them and they had to hire some other company, but it's this... that We're going to see a town downriver soon that's being threatened by this flood. This town. The wide shots of this town... Not good. It's just like, like Lincoln Logs. It looks real bad. I like the cul-de-sac that looks... Are you sure about that? <laughs> do you have what any idea where you were at? Yeah. Also, what what does that matter to me? I'm leaving. You figure yourself out. <laughs> I guess uh, Superman could have dropped him off at a safer place. <laughs> <laughs> well, she outran those power cables that were falling, at least she did. She got herself she just, safe. She just burned a lot of leaded fuel on the way. She was just at a gas station. I guess she didn't have, she couldn't get she gas. Did, yeah, she didn't fuel up. Turn over. It says you don't have any gas. <laughs> it's not a starter problem. Look, she doesn't know how to spell bloodletting. There, she's not, uh, you know, she's good at certain things, but it's true. This stuff I still find somewhat shocking. It's pretty claustrophobic. It's going to get even worse. Yeah, that's that's not cool. So far, it's not too bad. I guess you said oh, it was a it's, wide it's shot. It's coming in a second. Yeah, I don't think we're quite there yet. I think it's coming up pretty soon. I mean, what about... There's got to be a lot of other towns that have got problems going on right now. I mean, he's doing the best he can. He happens to be here now. I like this... The cul-de-sac literally looks... Oh. Yeah, that stuff's not great. I think it's even worse in a second. Because water doesn't miniaturize. You can't... That's yes. You know, you can always tell. It looks like a bathtub. What were you saying? I I interrupted you. uh, It's just that that street looked like it was a cul-de-sac that's just like then in the middle of like the Grand Canyon. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very small town. It's like where Hank uh, and Marie lived in uh, Breaking, <laughs> breaking Bad. I know you're familiar with that property. Uh very much so. <laughs> there, that's there. Look at that. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> no bueno. Yeah. Like I know he's Superman, but that's a lot of boulders. Like he must have been up there for twenty minutes, just like oh, boulder <sighs> push all these boulders over. Also, that makeshift dam that he built is not nearly the size of the Hoover Dam. No. It's not going to stop that and, water. And it's not Not only that, it's not. He's just yeah. buying time so people can escape. It, it stops it. You, you, we see it stop it here, so you just kind of have to buy. I mean, it's literally stopping the river altogether. That can't be good for the river. No. Eventually, it's going to overflow. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that shot. Oh, that was really bad. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. <laughs> right? He really admired his handiwork there. (laughs) Yeah, I do. No, he's (laughs) look at the beats he's (laughs) taking. I did that. Yeah. Who did that like three different reactions? This guy. Oh, he mouths Lois, it said. Yep. I never noticed that he mouthed Lois. I I gotta tell you at this point, Lois is toast. I mean, do you not remember what happens there? I I don't remember. Oh, well then uh, I'll keep on. I'm just saying. Th- there's just no way. I mean, I agree with you, but I know what happens. What I'm saying is that th- this would have, in the time it was taking him pushing those boulders over, that would have all been filled in. Lo- Lois would have oh. already been toast. Well, if it was filling up slowly enough that it's this is all real time, she would be able to get away. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I, I I know what you mean. You know, they're they're extending, they're they're drawing this out, this moment out for dramatic effect. This is this moment coming up. I think is the best acting in this movie by Christopher Reeve by a mile, and one of my favorite just individual scenes by an actor in any movie. This is what I mean. It's shocking. Like she's dead. That's awesome. Like I don't know how they shot that. That is pretty cool. Just rips the door off. It's like Victory Auto Wreckers. (laughs) It is. Yeah, that car. He needs money for that car. (laughs) That car is worth money. No, (laughs) not much. (laughs) Let's make some extremely local commercial jokes while this tender scene is happening where Lois is dead. yeah, she died. That's got to be shocking. Lois Lane is dead. For audiences at the time, you know, if you're seeing this movie for the first time, you don't know that he can turn back time. Without Seinfeld? I wouldn't have known. (laughs) I wasn't a huge Superman fan, so. I'm not sure he could until this movie. I think they invented that for this movie. I just think Christopher Reeve, his reaction to her death here is incredible. Like, similar to the last scene, which was more comical, going through multiple reactions and multiple, like, he almost goes through, like, the five stages of grief on his face. Yeah. I mean, it's coming up, and these just, like dissolve. There's a bunch of shots of like wi- these wide shots here, starting here, and they like dissolve from one to the next to the next. Those are really cool. Yeah, Richard Donner, you were a good at you were a good director in seventies and eighties. Yeah, Assassins, not so much. It really, yeah, it definitely holds the moment. It's genuinely sad and like tragic. This shot. This is the shot. <laughs> that scream like haunts me to this day. He's so good in that moment. Like just the, seeing Superman in a rage like that. So you got to you got to fear an angry Superman. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the, the whole thing here. Is now this ties into what I was talking about earlier about he's getting. I don't know if he's remembering. I assume he's remembering. Yeah. But you know, c- conflicting messages from his adopted father and from birth his father. birth father yeah. and, and. uh Jorel's telling him it's forbidden to interfere with human history, and his, his, Pa Kent's telling him, You're here for a reason. You need to help people. And he sides with Pa Kent. He says, I'm going to turn back the planet to save people, even though Jorel forbids it. It is forbidden, forbidden, forbidden. Jorel sentenced people to the Phantom Zone for shit like this. Interfering. His father would not approve, his, or Jorel would not approve. Yeah, he can't be doing this too often, that's for sure. No. I mean, it's emotional. Like, Christopher Reeve, I don't know if he's legit crying there or if they just, like, you know, it's to get the teardropper out. You know, let's dab him, his face a little bit. But, you know, I buy it. He only does it because of Lois. Pro- presumably hundreds of people have died. He wasn't going to do this until Lois it's was dead. true. And it's never clear to me, did he stop the second nuke? Because now it seems like the earthquakes aren't, aren't happening. So he, did he go back in time to stop the second nuke? But I feel like, oh, she, she references the earthquake. So the earthquake, it seems like still happened. I've never been clear about what precisely happened when he turned back. Because her car is not in a crevice anymore. Nope. And, and this reaction where he's like so happy to see her alive again. Chris Reeve is great. He really is. Yeah, so all this stuff still happened. Yeah, so Lex really <laughs> won. I'll go back to save Lois, but the earthquake, I'm not going to stop that. Yeah, he's turning back time, so you're not dead. <laughs> well, she doesn't know that. I wonder if he tells her in Superman 2. Because that's when he reveals to her his true identity. I wonder if he tells her the whole story. Everybody's just... Banging on Superman! <laughs> Come on, Superman! Like immediately, it's like, what have you guys? Have, what have you done? He's been around for a week. Immediately, the world is dependent on him. Yes, uh, but and they're just annoyed if he hasn't fixed the problems. Right. It's no, you know what? It's no wonder that the uh, really Hancock and 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 like the boys. That's actually, you know, if this is how humanity treats Superman, sure, they should feel. You know what? Forget, screw you. Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily uh, Superman is—he uh, has got—he's—he's he's very uh, understanding about it. At the very least, he's saved Lois at least once already, so there's a precedent there. Where she's like, "Well, now I know that if I'm ever in danger, Superman will show up." So when he doesn't, she's annoyed, I guess. But Jimmy, right? He's yeah. Superman has never had interacted with Jimmy prior to saving him. I guess yeah, he saved him from the the dam falling, but collapsing. Right. Yeah, so wait, Superman literally saved him, and he's still annoyed at him. No food, no water. I'm going to have some gratitude. I'm not sure about truth justice in the American way. This isn't how the justice system works, Superman. <laughs> he says. Yeah, he says. They'll get a fair trial. There's the payoff to the old wigs. The one time he would he would've let them put a skull cap on him, a bald cap. Gene Hackman looks good bald. I think he, does. He, he should have done the whole movie like I this. I don't understand why he had an issue with it. I think he just thought it was uncomfortable. Oh, there's nincompoop. poop. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Superman is is letting the justice system uh, work. It's he's not he's not just putting them in prison. I mean, granted, he probably shouldn't be in a prison. Should you know yes. some kind of holding cell? You know, during the trial. And why did Miss Tesmacher? Why does she get a pass? That's true. Well, ultimately, not to spoil Superman too, but uh, she's the one who rescues Lex Luthor in a hot air balloon. <laughs> so Superman should have locked her up. If, she, if he had locked her up, maybe Lex, yeah, Lex would have never escaped. Yeah, so she's definitely not getting it on with the good guys because she helps Lex Luthor escape in a hot air balloon. <laughs> Why can't I get it on with the good guys? <laughs> you would think she would have turned over a new leaf after rescuing Superman. Y- you would but hope so. She I, then rescues and he Lex. saved her mother. You would, yes. No, I again San Andreas still bought it. Her mother made it out alive. Yeah, presumably. I'm not again not entirely clear. It is, you know uh, I almost wish we hadn't have done this because sitting here watching it with you <laughs> and being forced to uh you know confront this movie's faults which <laughs> No pun intended. Uh yes, exactly. Yeah, that nice catch. One of my accidental puns. Um yeah, did I, did I, I gotta admit this movie's got a problem. But I mean, you know, I think, by and large, I get by on it's, just it's Superman funny. and Christopher Reeve as Superman, I, who I continue to love. I that think he's got a ton of charisma. I think it's a, it is a fun movie. It's a very seventies movie. I I I yeah, it's, I enjoy I the the, the critiquing the, those are lighthearted like that. It's it's not intended to say oh this is this is terrible. It's just it, it was made at a time when they just figured you weren't going to hold this movie up to any scrutiny because it's a comic book movie. Yeah. You know, it's like they weren't... It's a movie... They weren't trying to, like, seal all the leaks or, you know, I, I, I don't know what the yeah. metaphor I'm looking for is, but um, uh, they were just like, don't think about it too much. It's that it was kind supposed of movie. to be just, a, you know, popcorn fun. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we did it. I had fun. Good, yeah. I think it, to a Degree Superman 2 is... More of an action packed thing, and I think a lot for a lot of people it's a lot of people consider that the the better of the two movies. And I get that. But A it wasn't directed by Richard Donner, so That's ineligible. Well half of it was, but he didn't get the directing credit because he was fired. Uh we never really talked about that, but yeah, he was fired and replaced by Richard Lester, who is not as good a director as him, and ha- because like eighty to ninety percent of Superman two was finished. But because in order to get the directing credit, you have to direct at least fifty-one percent of a movie. He they reshot a Re- bunch, <laughs> so that Richard Lester could get the director's credit. That's and, ridiculous. Yeah, which is a bummer. A lot of the footage does exist in the Superman Two uh, Donner cut, which was created years and years later, like two thousand seven or something. They wow. went they went back and found all the old footage and edited it together and got some money to like finish some of the effects and things. It's not good though, because it's it's an unfinished film, and also they reused the turn back time ending, because originally that was supposed to be the ending of two. So I guess the original ending of one was supposed to be Superman... Zod being launched. Well, Superman... I, I don't think originally it was two missiles. I think originally Superman was just supposed to stop the missile, throw it out into space, catch Luthor, turn them in, just turn them in and then out in space, unbeknownst right. to Superman... It launches out. It launches out. It explodes. The nuke explodes in space. Yeah, and frees Zod and his cronies. Ah, I gotcha. And they go... Earth, we will conquer it, and then tune in next time. And then, two ended with the t- turn back time Lois dying and turning back time. And uh because that's what they originally planned, that's how the Donner cut Superman, too. And so it's weird. It's like he turned back time again. You know, that's the bummer of it. We need it. a new note, Superman. New note. Yeah, I mean, it really makes it feel like We've this heard is this just his before. solution to yeah. every problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, if you're just gonna go and reverse time every time, then nothing yeah. can ever go wrong. Exactly. I mean, it really does undercut the drama. It's like as long as Superman survives, he can turn back time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to watch this too. I was I was mostly kidding when I say it ruins the movie because uh, I I knew this movie had, had its problems already. Oh, whatever. It was fun. Yeah. So our uh, we got one more bonus episode planned. Uh, we are. Looking forward to tie it directly into a Stallone movie. Our two commentary tracks have kind of been loosely tied. Yeah, uh, it's whatever. Yeah, we can do what we want. That's true. <laughs> we try to podcast. justify as best we can, but sometimes I it's think just these like, were justified. Yeah. but this one will be uh, be be a little bit closer to a real episode because we're going to look and watch the original Get Carter and hopefully pick up some information. And notes to be able to compare it to when we watch the Stallone version. Yeah, this is unusual in in terms of whenever we watch these movies. It's usually after we watch the Stallone movie or Arnold in, in you know prior days. But um, since the '70s, Get Carter came out first, and the Stallone one is the remake. It's like you know, let's let's watch this one first, and then we will, and when we watch the Stallone one, we can we'll we'll know what it's uh, you know a remake of and be able how it, to speak yeah, to. How it, holds up yeah because i know at some point years ago i tried to watch the original get carter with michael michael kane and uh could not get through it oh that's not good uh uh, i i think i was just i think it'll well we'll see i should not make predictions because i don't know i just i just found it very slow but i also think me at 41 will be much more willing to go with a slower paced movie than me at whatever 20 something well this was a slow paced movie and you went along with it but was it Early it is. These yeah. early parts are slow. I, it's not bad. I'm just it definitely at slower pacing. Yeah. So, oh, all right. So I think that's uh, that's that's the show. And so if you enjoyed this show, please like us on your podcast app of choice. Maybe write us a favorable review. Um, and can you read my mind? Perform by Margot Kidder as if it's a song. See. <laughs> This poetry slam, yes, exactly. Sorry, uh, and certainly, feel free to maybe reach out with some poetry to us at Arms Race Podcast <laughs> on Twitter. um Yes, your your uh, Lois Lane esque poetry is that. That's where we're soliciting poetry yes. from listeners now. Yes, that's what we're asking for. um Yeah, I guess set poetry to your favorite uh, like movie score soundtrack because that's essentially what happened in yeah. this movie. Yeah. So if well, that's just all we're doing is we're we're asking for like like the old Saturday Night Live sketch with Bill Murray singing Star Wars. <laughs> yes, that's really what we're 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 soliciting people to make up lyrics to. Doesn't have to be Stallone. just yeah. you know whatever whatever floats your boat. Or like the the YouTube video of someone singing along to the Jurassic Park theme, going, "Holy effing shit! It's a dinosaur." <laughs> I've never seen that. That's pretty good. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, oh. if you like the show, give us a rating, something, something. We'll be back with Get Carter.
1: Can you read my mind? Do you know what it is that you do to me? I don't know who you are. Just a friend from another store. Here I am, like a kid out of school, holding hands with a god.